Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce that after 21 short episodes, we have our first sponsor. It's a locally owned and operated nonprofit video rental store called Film is Truth. They have a collection of over 19,000 films in VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So no matter what platform you watch on, you can find the film you're looking for. They have a little bit of everything, but specialize in foreign, independent, art house, and documentary films, which is super cool because they likely have a selection that you won't be able to find in larger stores or even on some of the larger streaming platforms. This is great for filmmakers especially because you should have a wide background of films to pull from in your own filmmaking. Here at Back to Back Films, we are all about expanding not only our own knowledge, but the knowledge of our listeners, viewing films that we normally wouldn't watch, so this is a really special partnership for us. Film is Truth is open from noon to 9 p.m. every day and can be found here in Bellingham at 1530 Cornwall Avenue, inside the Terra Organica Market. That's convenient for you because you can get your food and your films in one stop. If you are a non-local listener, then you can find them at filmistruth.com or at facebook.com at filmistruth. All right, everyone. Enjoy the show. This week's episode of the Backtrack Films Podcast. This week we're covering Hoop Dreams and Man with a Movie Camera. Finally getting into the realm of nonfiction with documentaries. As always, I recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode because of spoilers. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Nikki Jakey is back. Uh, yeah. Which might yeah, be Nikki a good Jakey. thing. I don't know. Uh, uh, Carlyton. Carlton, yeah, that's right. Carlton's back. Carlton's, Carlton's back. back in the house, ready to uh, you know, ready to talk movies. You know, I'm a, I'm a changed man. Jacob Foltz has a pretty good ring to it, don't you think? Jacob, Foltz. a lot changed about that. Yeah, yeah. you should have just gone with Reisenberg. I should have. Yeah, even though it's Reisenberg, I should have. Oh, Reisenberg. Oh. Yeah, there you go. No, I like your idea. It sounds more Jewish. You'd fit in better in Hollywood, right? <laughs> It's a really good point. Maybe I should try something Jewish. <laughs> Carlton Reisenberg or something. There you go. There you go. Carltonberg. It's got a nice ring to it. But you know like how there's a Ritz Carlton? Well, you could have the Fultz Carlton. Oh, there you go. Oh. They both ends with actually, it, you know. Yeah. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. When, uh, when I make it as a film director, I'll retire and create the Fultz Carlton, and everyone will stay there, and it'll be awesome. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen at all, but you know, uh, you never we all got to have our dreams, right? Yeah. You never know. <laughs> you never. Uh, so, yes, Jacob was gone for like four weeks, of which we recorded, I think, three of those weeks because we were busy as well. And Slides. then, yeah, you got married over the weekend. <laughs> Cannot believe you guys missed a week in there. I only missed four, and you guys missed one. You guys got to pick up your shit. I know. Yeah, I don't do enough for this already. I <laughs> yeah, know. Keep the slide over there. Uh, but yeah, so you got married, which is why you were gone. And now, yeah, you are different, I guess. I am different now, yeah. There's an aura. I have there's, an aura now. There's an aura, um, yeah. Yeah, it bleeds through our video chat. Uh, so that, sorry about that. Um you are oh, in a yeah. different room. I actually so am in a different room. Yeah, this it is, does. Um, yeah. Looks yeah. like you're sitting on a bed. 
I it's because I am. <laughs> my uh, so I'm living with my folks, and my sister moved back. Uh, so she took the room that I was using as my office sort of area, um, which had horrible Wi-Fi connection. Um, so now I'm down in my brother's room and uh, has a lot better Wi-Fi connection down here. So I don't think we'll have any problems, and I might just do it down here for the rest of while I'm at my folks' house. So yeah, nice. Woohoo! For Wi-Fi, <laughs> yeah. So your wedding, woohoo for Wi-Fi, <laughs> woohoo for Wi-Fi. No, <laughs> oh, W So what's what's new with you guys? I I noticed. Um, I listened to a couple episodes of the podcast and noticed I was missed. And um, no, nah, we filled in pretty well with you guys. Yeah. We I think we covered it with the bases that we needed to cover. Uh, everything else was you know left out was good. I think I think I think it was kind of like cutting off the fat a little bit. You know, like we just when it was Byron and I, we just got to what was lean. Right. You calling me fat? <laughs> calling me fat? Well, I noticed in one of the episodes you were like you added in the woos and so, so you know like uh, Curtis Skinner, you know at, at yeah. the end you're like found it skinny producing. You added in the little Skinner. You like oh. added your own little little thing in there. That's what I'm saying. We covered you like you <laughs> yeah, were, covered the, covered yeah. the important stuff. <laughs> covered the important stuff, yeah. and we did it in every episode. So you're welcome. Pretty awesome. It feels weird without it. Wait, no, it does. It, it feels weird without. Your your little things that you do, my, yeah, my little, uh, <laughs> the, little yeah. Thing, the little touches. I, I don't know what to call them, but the little little uh, fo- little flourishes. <laughs> yeah, little flourishes. Exactly. I don't. Jacob's yeah. flourishes are like the the whipped cream you get out of the can. The Fultz flourish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah exactly. uh, no, yeah. You uh, recorded a couple minis, which was nice, and then kind of changed up. What we were talking about in the minis, which was nice. Uh, yeah, just the film gave... news. I, I listened to half, and then you guys started talking about Mother, and I haven't seen it, and I really want to watch it. So I want clean <laughs> eyes when I go see it. And then we did the whole the, the whole next one, one episode Mother, of yeah. Mother. Yeah. Of Mother, yeah. 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 Which yeah, I so think I was kind of an interesting change. Um, you know, like talking about one movie and then talking about more than just like how – they do that movie and more about the substance of the movie itself. So it's kind of a, I don't know. It was interesting to try it out. Yeah, and it was see. cool. I liked it. Um, oh, interesting. And we still produce. You know, I think the important part is that we still were producing, which we could have stopped producing while you were gone and then picked up again. Right. But yeah, you know, important yeah. to kind Gotta of keep have to... turning out. What um, question for you guys? Were there any angels in Mother, or was it just was it an angelist film? You had to, yeah. I knew, I knew it was going to come up somewhere. That was the one thing we did forget, huh? I was bringing up the angel. <laughs> yeah, we actually did. I think um, maybe all of them too. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. I got a lot of work. It felt refreshing. Got a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, Fuck. No, if you're asking a serious question, no. If you're trying to just fit it in as a, but I'm trying uh, to think there, there. But I think there probably is a character that maybe it w- represents. It wasn't sort of a angel, serious question. But who knows? Also, but yeah. The Herald. Yeah, I. But Maybe. yeah, we don't. We won't give it away to, for Jake. Yeah, don't be giving away the uh, the secret of the angel. <laughs> I mean, mother was like religious. I mean, it had it wasn't religious. It just used the Bible as an allegory, and then kind of took out the esoteric stuff. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm super pumped to watch it, and I like that it got its uh, F cinema score. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, did I you hear amazing. the coveted did, F cinema score? Did you Only hear like our rant eight movies? Uh, no. It was, I think it became the ninth movie to get it. We, we, yeah. It's a, yeah, only, 
Exactly. It's freaking crazy. Uh, I think the end of that one we did, the film news one, is when we yeah. started looking up the cinema score stuff and find, and then we talked about what movies were on there. Yeah. And then yeah. we both just realized that we really hate cinema score. Yeah, like, we lot. just like ranted about it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, no rating system is perfect at all. You know what I mean? And cinema score is one of those where it's like, they just, they, it's immediate reactions from the theater, you know? So, yeah, but they're I, like missing like huge chunks of movies. Yeah. Like they're just movies yeah, I mean, we search for that just like they, they didn't even they didn't even have Inglorious Bastards in there. Yeah. We looked up for we looked up Inglorious Bastards and it wasn't on the list. Oh, weird. How weird is that? That is super weird. You think they'd be on like every single big release that came yeah. out? Yeah. Uh, it would, it would have been like the 8th one that probably got an F rating. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but then like yeah, yeah, I mean, they had Pulp Fiction, but they didn't have Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. They didn't have some new ones, you know, like Did some, they even have like, Kill Bill? I don't know if we look Kill Bill up or not. I'm pretty there sure was they had like Kill that. Bill. I remember there, seeing it was like A minus. A, a minus. Oh, that's right. We did look it up, and that's right. It and then we went through like which ones had A pluses, and then the of course ones that got F. Fucking Forrest Gump got a fucking A plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I don't mind. Uh, and Pulp Fiction got a their, B plus. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Oh interesting. I I don't mind their system, um, but I mean, I also don't mind any rating system. I but I just also don't care about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. And I mean, I care to a degree because I like to have opinions about movies and stuff. But like, right? Like they're pretty like egregious on what they give A pluses, like how they kind of skew it, and then the movies that they just leave out all of a sudden. I mean, so, like, Soul, well, Soul Surfer it, might be the best film ever made. And it, got, <laughs> it did get an A plus on some That's score, the thing, so. yeah. Soul Surfer. <laughs> no, Soul Surfer. Soul Surfer. Oh, Soul Surfer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. I know what that is. It's like a, it wasn't I, a, it's I, not I a biopic, it. right? It's like a, a... It might be based uh, on a true story, but... Based on a true story, but not like an act... Like, yeah. Yeah, right. so it was like, like a dramatic, dumb, uh, cheesy movie where the... It's like a surfer gets like attacked by a shark. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the chick gets, like, attacked by a shark and then, like, you know, overcomes her disability or whatever to go surfing again, that type of story. Like, I don't know, man. It's fuck cinema score. That's all I can say about that yeah, website. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, but really, cinema score, that's just, like, audience reactions right out of the theater, though, right? Like, it's, um... Supposedly. That's what they say. Yeah. Do you guys think they don't do that? Well, if it's You're audience reactions, out. how are you missing big movies like Inglorious Bastards? Or, I don't know, like... I don't know. Maybe it's on there, and I just... I don't know, maybe it just Couldn't wasn't part it. of their search aggregate. Yeah. I don't know. Their website is one of the worst websites I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah it was bad. It's, it's pretty horrible. It's hard it to... feels like it's from the mid-90s internet, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was hard to navigate. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad, pretty bad website, so. So, you know, if I ever make a movie that attracts Cinema Store's attention, give me that F. Yeah. Because it's just going to make more people see it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like. But the Cinema Score, that, they, uh, I feel like people in the industry, in Hollywood at least, they pay attention to the Cinema Score. Because the, I think they look at it as like, if it has an A, then a lot of people will be talking about it right out of the theater and going out of the theater so that other people might pick it up and be like, oh, do you want to see that instead or something like that? Like, yeah, but some, like... Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. But, don't so know. How, but then, if that's the case, then a film like Mother should have gotten a C because it's divisive, right? You would get an average rating between... Because in theory, if it's divisive, then one, you know, every other person should like it and every other person should not like it. 
So how does right. it get an F? Well, you know what, what I mean? The, like, isn't isn't an F just like a fifty percent? So that would be divisive, right? I don't know how. Is that how it works? And if they're going by that, like the like actual so that's like a good, school that's a grading, good, that's actually a good. Huh, that's interesting. That's actually a good... <laughs> I don't know, because if they're point. going by school grading, then yeah, F would be 50%, right? Like, C would be 70% But if, if like, F was, like, a one-star, and C or D is, like, a two-star, and C a three-star, yeah. and B... Right. Like, then then it would be different, right? I Yeah, no, yeah, if it's that way, then, then an F is, like, a 10... Per, or is, like, a 20% or less, but mm-hmm. if it's actually, like, letter grades, then... What is it like? Below a sixty is an F, and then sixty to seventy is a D, seventy to eighty is a C, eighty to ninety is a B, and ninety plus is an A. I'm curious if that's how they actually uh, rate it. Like they. It says pollsters, pollsters, so people who are polling provide audience members uh, a ballot with six questions, including an A to F grade scale, purchase and rental interest, and demographic data. To answer these questions, moviegoers bend back tabs on the cinema score ballot instead of having to use a pen or pencil to fill out a questionnaire survey. And after the movie ends, audience members return their ballots to cinema scores pollsters who tabulate the data and send the results immediately. But I mean, I feel like this. Oh, I think we'd that? have to really see the ballot because if they ask, to que- understand because yeah. like if they ask questions like, "Would you ever see this movie again?" and they all say no. That could probably represent that as it was a bad movie, but that's not necessarily the case because Mother is one of those films that probably the vast majority of people, even if they enjoyed it, wouldn't want to see it again. Aha, uh-huh. it's okay. You so know what I mean? Here's, yeah, no, here's a picture. I 100% agree. Here's a picture of it. Uh, oh. On one side, it says, uh, Would you buy this movie on DVD or Blu ray? No, yes on DVD, yes on Blu ray. Those well, are that's the stupid. Three that's like a stupid Would question. Would you rent this movie? No, yes. DVD, yes, Blu-ray, Blu-ray? <laughs> yes on VOD. Reasons oh, okay. for attending this movie. Actor and lead role, actress and lead role, type of movie, subject matter, characters or plot, director. Um, and then there's the A, B, C, D, F. Uh, you can tell your gender and then you can tell your age. But not race. What does that tell? But not race and, but not, not, race, yeah. and not location. Yeah. To see that, I don't know. What location does that even say? Seems to be seems to be key here. Yeah. Like the key demographic that it's missing. Because I feel like Mother is a type of movie that would... I, I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with Darren Aronofsky. I've seen all of his movies. I feel like it's one of his more pretentious movies out there, if you're going to categorize them by pretentiousness. Am I right about that? Yeah. Okay. I feel like it would do way better in Seattle than it would in San Antonio. You right. You know what I mean? Right. So if they're, if they're going to... I don't know. Uh, no, Houston. That's or yeah, Houston and <laughs> yeah, Houston, uh, where, where the uh, where all the water is. The, no, right the Noah's Ark. Uh, gosh, I need help here. Uh, Dallas. Say they went to Dallas and like did the cinema score there. Then like, of course, it's probably not going to do as well because like here, like in Seattle, people are obsessed with really specific kinds of art, and they're a little more forgiving for pretentious uh, art. You totally. know what I mean? Yeah, same with like New York. Like, there's probably in New York. It yeah. probably get it probably do really well in New York, but it LA. probably wouldn't do so hot. In maybe like, you know, uh, New Orleans, maybe. Right. You know no, what I mean? Ex- exactly. Or, I or like, agree. Or maybe like Phoenix, even. You know, <laughs> like. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, hundred percent, dude. Uh, Cinema score. Sorry, I gotta interrupt this. Between it. 2004 and 2014, oh, I guess that's. That's a 10-year gap. So in 10 years, they did what amounts to, I think, a little under 2,000 films. 
That's pretty shitty. That doesn't that's seem like low, a lot. Right? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a hundred films a year. Yeah, that's not much. Or, uh, yeah, that's, or about two hundred films, two hundred films a year. So that's not even one film a day. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about how many movies yeah, come out whoa. a week, like there's like seven or seven to ten that come out each week. Yeah, weekend. that's crazy. Yeah, so um, they're missing like half the movies. And then the other thing too, like what you're saying with the the demographics, like where, but also. There are people who just don't buy DVDs and Blu-rays, right? So they're automatic knows. Yeah, so that because, right. like, and then you know, like, it just, it's not going to change the fact whether a movie gets distribution or not, right? Like, Mother's still going to be distributed. Like, yeah. it's still going to be made into a Blu-ray. I just don't understand. Right. And then it goes DVD or Blu-ray, and then VOD. That's for rental. Would you rent this on DVD, Blu-ray, or video on demand? <sighs> why wouldn't you buy it on VOD though? Like, I don't why know why they that, didn't put that why, in there yeah. either. Yeah. It, 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 it's stupid. It doesn't even it doesn't even give you all the options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Seems uh, maybe that's a dated one or the, uh, the screenshot that you pulled up. Maybe. Yeah. But then if it has VOD on there, why wouldn't buying VOD be irrelevant? Exactly. Yeah. Especially yeah. nowadays. And then also for reasons for attending the movie, maybe I attended it because it's been getting like these crazy divisive reviews. But that's not right. on there. So I don't know. Fuck cinema score. That's stupid. <laughs> I don't even fucking care. Well, can can we all agree just like fuck any uh, rating system that rates movies? Cause, I mean, I uh, guess I use Letterbox though, but that's a personal rating system all. though. Like, oh yeah. Well, like, I don't mind critic to critic. Like, like if there's one person and I agree with them, usually love that shit. But uh, yeah, like all these, you know, everything else, just fuck it. You know, it's yeah. it's cool to see when something does well, but it doesn't mean I'm gonna necessarily enjoy it. You know, so. let's make up your own mind. Exactly. Whatever, you know. But I exactly. mean, like, it's so stupid. Like Soul Surfer, that wasn't even a big movie, and it gets an A plus. And if it goes by grade, like if it goes by like a report card grade or whatever, right? And it got an A plus. I highly doubt that ninety five, ninety six percent of every single audience or whatever liked that movie also who and then it's also like who goes to see those movies so not only where you live but within that right. yeah maybe it was like only like 60 and up went to go see that movie yeah. people who right. like really heartwarming movies yeah and, like, or like you know kid, like dads bringing their daughters yeah like, right. yeah exactly you know it's just like yeah, it's like we need more information here yeah too. yeah it's just weird i don't know it's yeah. hard to believe or like do they pull kids because I think there's kids' ages on there, too. So it's like, oh, they went to a Disney movie. They're automatically yeah. going to like it. So Disney movies just generally get a higher grade. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. That's ridiculous. Think about this for a sec, too. How? <laughs> a little kid doing the ballot? I mean, come on. <laughs> right. I'm going to pull just, it up right they now. Just, they're all high on, like, sugar and popcorn. And, <laughs> and like, they just watched an awesome animated film. Of course they're going to love it. Under 18. Right. Is what is the lowest? So it's eight, under 18, 18 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 49, 50 and over. Uh, so under means, 18. That means nothing. I mean, exactly. how many, under 18? Like, how many kids, nothing. how many kids, like even 13 and below, you, could you actually have like a semi decent conversation about, like, so what did you think about the film? What were your favorite parts? What were, like, kids are. I don't are know. Gonna, I just went because I was just, taking yeah. this girl to the movie. Exactly. Like. Kids are, <laughs> yeah. most of the time, kids are just going because they, like, you know, they just like the movie. They don't, they're not thinking about all that sort of stuff. But, but what they are thinking about is, hey, we're going to be in a dark room. I'm bringing my date. We're exactly. Out there. 
Yeah. You know? Or that's what or, that's what little boys are thinking. Th- that or them. I like my Twizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're Byron, you're thinking that. Yeah. Young Byron in a movie theater. Oh, God. Yeah, mm. pretty pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Getting your dibs. You got dibs. I mean, I it, you, you I've dibs. never I've never had a dib. Really? You yeah. got You got I, I, I need to do dibs. it. Maybe I'll do that for like Blade Runner. Cream. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Get them for Blade Ooh. Runner. Uh, do they yeah. even make dibs anymore? I don't know. They better now. Now that you've mentioned it. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> they do. Bring a special case just for you. <laughs> a whole case. <laughs> the whole half rack for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. In general, reviewing systems are hard cuz even a system like Letterboxd, you know, is like it aggregates every reviewer's review and then averages it out, right? But it's still like I don't like it's still not accurate necessarily, right? Like right. Rotten Tomatoes shows audience and it shows critics and those generally don't match up. So it's all you can really do is go on your own personal reviewing or like you do, you know, find someone you like and then just listen to their reviews, right. I guess. That's and about it. If, if anyone has any critics that they really like, they should send them into the show because I don't, <laughs> I have one critic that I like and he, he does uh, video games and half of his shit is just funny and it's not an actual review anyways. <laughs> so oh, there you uh, go. if anyone has a critic that they really like, send it in. Cause I, I would, I need, there, I need one to follow. There's a critic I like, oh, but do you mean specifically like letterboxd or something like that? Uh, or just like film I'm thinking critic? more just like a specific person. Oh yeah. You know? Letterboxd is hard to find people. Uh, right. Cause it's just, it's just a lot of people who spew these like pretentious sounding dumb reviews yeah. like eight yes. paragraphs about a movie like I can't I can't describe I, I can't yeah. talk this, like that like yeah. these weird like fluff words you know like they pulled out a thesaurus to describe the movie so they can sound right. smart and then it's a bunch of people like oh, I agree with you great review I agree with you great review yeah. and it's like I read this and I was like I hate you a little bit right now like because they, they just want to sound smart yeah like, exactly just like yeah I like this exactly because it has big words and I don't know what it means but uh, you know my reviews when I started on it when I started to actually like do the actual reviewing were kind of like Okay, character cool. Like you know, I'd say some things about it, and then they eventually just turned into like one or two lines. Like, I should I should start one. I should start one. It should be it would be fun. Letterbox is cool. Yeah. Like it's cool for your own. Yeah, like, that's what I should do. If you yeah. get follow, I think it's cooler to have followers than it yeah. is to follow. Yeah, but, yeah. it's, it's um, pretty easy to uh, keep track of all the movies that you're watching. That's like, the thing it's too. Super easy because you can create a watch list for what you want to watch and then you can also pick from that see like, I'd love that I should actually do it I but sh- then you can also and, say like oh I've watched this already yeah. and then you can say like oh I've rewatched it yeah. when did you watch it like oh see know, that, that's like, cool see like I just have like my IMDB profile not I'm not like not like a credits list but like, like, like you know like, like just a account it's an account yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. And it's basically that. And you can like rate like, you know, from 10 to and I do that, but you can't navigate through it, which sucks. Yeah. You know, the, the user interface of Letterboxd is the best of super or something nice. like this. Super yeah. nice. you know, I'm, I'm going to do, do that tonight. That's I think be... I don't know if they have an Android app. You have to do it on the computer. Oh, OK. Just do the letterbox.com yeah. or whatever, because I think they only have an iPhone app. Damn it. So but what a what a sweet name Letterboxd. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, a, that's a yeah. great, that's a great name for yeah. something like that. It's a nifty tool. I dig it for sure, and yeah. I like I forget to use it sometimes, but I try to keep up with it because it's not like super hard. Like I've kept, I've done our podcast movies and like, you know, stuff like that. Just yeah. to, yeah. plus then, the uh, the community of Letterboxd is like the people who are kind of more like us, like who who want to talk about films in interesting ways. You don't really get the uh, the loud. Uh, loud clapping moviegoers that you'd get on Flickster. You what know? about like and film bros? Y- 
I think there's a lot of bros on Twitterbox. Yeah. There's just there's just not a lot of people who are like like oh like Miss Congeniality is the best movie ever, you know. But you still have people that like like it, but they're just like they're not like super biased or have only seen three movies. So it's more. It's not that it's more exclusive. There's just not a lot of people. You can are, also see like their profile, yeah. like oh, how many movies have you seen? Like, uh, okay, yeah, what yeah. movies are you like? Are you watching a variety like from, from older? Are you watching yeah. only new ones? Like what? Like you know, what and kinds? Then, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's cool. super easy to check yeah. all that. Oh, yeah. sweet. It's just like social media for movie reviewing, essentially. Oh, man, yeah, uh, I should have done that a long time ago. Like that, yeah. uh, I'll follow you guys. Do it. Yeah. Follow for follow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nope. This is a one way street. (laughs) Um, For Jay Kino, that's that's my name. Jay Kino. Jay Kino. Yeah, Yeah, I think I only follow like eight people. Uh, I just follow like a couple of people I listen to for podcasts. Yeah. Like they do film reviews, and then I follow Jacob, Nate, and Robert, and. That's about if, right. If you I think I just it. have you, Keith. That's about uh, it. You, Robert, and uh, Nate. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm following. If you wanted a film critic, you should check out Manola Dargis. She seems. I don't agree with every single one of her um, uh, reviews, but she I, seems as pretty. You shouldn't. <laughs> but she, but you know, she seems. She seems pretty good and fair. Um, and she, I think... She's pretty? Is that right? Is that right? Oh, no, she, she's not, but... Uh, she, uh, <laughs> so irrelevant to the conversation. Um, but she, um... Oh, yeah, writes, right. she, <laughs> she wrote. She writes for the New York Times, I believe. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she... She's, she's, you know, one of the the more prolific ones. One of the big ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check. I'll check her out. But she she doesn't uh, like necessarily watch like stuff. she doesn't her like. Work. But what's cool because she doesn't normally like watch like you know like Despicable Me or something, right? Yeah. She she will watch like the films that are like, you know, like foreign films, independent films, right. upcoming from by, by upcoming directors and prestigious kind of yeah yeah uh, n- noteworthy, not really the kind of louder like big blockbusters. Yeah, or, I mean sometimes uh, roller coaster rides, right? Yeah, right. like like Blade Runner, she, like you know, it's a, it's a, it's both, right? It's a, a big movie, but it's also like a, a more of yeah, a 100%. you know yeah. But she won't. Yeah. She probably didn't go see like Hitman's Bodyguard or something, you know? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, she just <laughs> skips Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think she might have seen Deadpool. I think I think she has Probably. a review I for mean, Deadpool. I think you have to go see Deadpool. I mean, everyone saw that movie, you know. Yeah, you got to be everyone, yeah. right? You got to be everybody. Yeah. You I can't think be your own person. If you're really looking for reviewers, uh, search podcasts because, like, you can go to just type film review in the in search bar for podcasts, and like, it's usually a, you know like us, like a group of two, three, or four, maybe more people. And there's a bunch of different styles of people reviewing, you know, like some more comedy, some are more straight up yeah. talking, some are, you know, hour long, some are longer. Like there's just a big variety, so you can always find a bunch. And then a lot of them have back catalogs, so you can always listen to their yeah, other the stuff. Yeah, the back catalogs are cool. You know, like yeah, I, I was just listening to a while. And I was listening to one called Actor and Engineer, and so one was an actor and one was a like a sound oh, engineer wow. or something. So they come from these different perspectives, yeah. not only like in terms of their technical knowledge, but like from their interest in movies yeah like some the one guy just doesn't like horror but he's like does movies you know on a technical level so like it's interesting what you can find you know um yeah 100 percent yeah Uh, i'm I'm just gonna plug this guy's uh podcast because he actually he talked about uh the game of cube that movie i did for the 48 hours (laughs) no way he like 
he like praised it on his podcast and he sent it to me but um it's called about to review and it's by that guy named john um he's a seattle he does it with uh it's him and this other guy who i think is from new mexico um i think okay could be could be from another place but um but yeah, they just they do reviews and stuff, and actually, it's a pretty interesting podcast. They have a lot of cool little segments. But nice. if, if if you're like me and also looking for a reviewer, check out that guy and see if uh, see if you like it. Oh, they do have a nice. They got an Android app now. Dope, cool. Uh, yeah, check out that guy. I also listen to Film Junk. It's kind of generally my go-to. Oh yeah, um, Film Junk. That's good. Yeah, Film Junk's a good one. Um, and then you can follow those guys on Letterboxd. They have Letterboxd, and yeah cool follow us follow us on letterboxd yeah i'm we, we uh, have the best reviews actually what am i i'm either hyperion creation or her hyperion creator can't remember which one it is or and then hyperion <laughs> creator that's a sick name dude yeah because my company creator? my company name is hyperion creation are you uh are, are, is your title the hyperion creator because you should <laughs> That should be your title instead of uh, <laughs> instead of CEO. president or CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Hyperion. Hyperion creator. That's actually bad. Yeah, I love that name. Hyperion. Mine is yeah. just J Kino. J A K I N O. And Jay Byron's Kino. gonna make one here soon because yeah. he can get the app, so he'll plug I think his. He's, he's gonna go by uh, by B Ryan, I think, because he because he exclusively does B movies. <laughs> B Ryan. <laughs> exclusively B. <laughs> Oh, apparently, wait. Sharknado, The Room, you know. Is mine the just happening? my name? Oh, See, I think I it is just my name. Uh, what? No, <laughs> actually, I only review movies oh, no. that start with a B. Yeah, it is. Hyperion, Hyperion Creator. <laughs> Dude, you could do that. Just only B. Yeah. You can do all the B movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, be, my God. Be kind, rewind. They have to... <laughs> Blade Runner. Yeah. Beetlejuice. <laughs> Searching for Bobby Fisher. You can make an exception for that one. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. Like, uh, butt face. Bedazzle. So you have Beavis like, and Butt. Beavis and Butt. Bedazzle. Bedazzles. <laughs> oh, my God. You get a bedazzle job done for. Bewitched. Ooh, Bewitched. Yeah, that's good. Uh, All right. Beetlejuice. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Fink. There you yes. go. You're welcome. That's a good one for you. Yeah, definitely. Art. Um,. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Battle being, of the Sexes. Being John Malkovich. <laughs> Be- yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, or Being There with Peter Sellers. Oh, Being There. Ooh, you could do the Before series. Before Sunset, Before... Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The other ones? Oh, I haven't br- seen any of What about uh, Bringing Out the Dead? And Yeah, that one's good, too. Yeah, or just the b- Boobs. 37. There's good- Start with that one and go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just become a porn reviewer. <laughs> uh, I can I can see Byron there, being, being a porn reviewer. There's gotta be a, an <laughs> app that's like a porn reviewer. Like oh, totally. App. Yeah, like there's gotta be one. Totally. Don't they? Don't, they normally have that built in though. <laughs> to the to the sites that uh, I don't <laughs> frequent, but my friend. <laughs> Tells me a lot about it. Your friend Carl. Your friend Carlton. My friend uh, Nicky Jakey, actually. Carlton doesn't fuck with that stuff. Oh yeah, the film bro guy. Carlton's clean. Carlton is clean. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's move on to our topics because we're thirty minutes deep. Uh, so our main topic this week is the documentary, what it is, how they are made, and why they work. <laughs> Uh, screw it up, Keith. Uh, I would say I miss you, but you know, 
Nej, vi var det. Okay, so our first film is Hoop Dreams, made in 1994 by Steve James, Peter Gilbert, and Frederick Marx. It stars William Gates and Arthur... You, cause you guys watched this. Do you remember what his last name is? Is it A.G.? Or, it's A.G. I, Arthur A.G. Oh, I thought it was a G. Is it A.G.? I think it's Arthur A.G. I actually, honestly, that's a good... <laughs> I think it's A.G. I'm going to go with A.G. A.G. sounds better than a yeah. D. Yeah. yeah, I think it's A.G. Uh, so it stars William Gates and Arthur A.G. as the two main characters of the story. Uh, they're two... They start... They, they catch him kind of late uh, middle school, going into high school. It's when they start to with their story and then it ends uh, kind of like freshman year I think of college yeah um, so it follows them throughout high school is kind of the main the main stick here high school basketball uh, as with always or as with almost all documentaries their friends and family are heavily featured as well obviously you gotta get interviews background you know the the they're the players the other characters in the story who are trying to provide problems solutions insights stuff like that um, because a documentary well, we'll talk about one that's not, but most documentaries are telling a story, uh, and it's a series of problems that people overcome to the end, like just like a normal film. And they're structured right. generally like a normal film with sort of a beginning, inciting, you know, increasing problems. There's some climax, and then, you know, whether it ends good or ends bad. Um, the film is listed on almost every list as one of the best documentaries ever made, although where it appears on any given list is different. I've seen it number one, I've seen it number 20, I've seen it number seven. Uh, so, you know, it's just back and forth, just, just what we were talking about with lists, you know, people's opinions and stuff. The, uh, the documentary was made on a budget of roughly $700,000, which is a budget for like, uh, well, supposedly I think they went for eight years. Um... Wow, eight years of work on it because it was like five years of filming, and like yeah, three years of editing like or something. Five years of filming, so wow. yeah, yeah, because they mm-hmm. they shot two hundred fifty hours of footage. <laughs> I saw upwards of three hundred too. Yeah, three hundred. So anywhere between two fifty and three hundred hours of footage. Wow. Um, they used a multitude of sources, such as the, uh, for funding, such as the National Endowment of, for the Arts and PBS. PBS because they were initially going to show on PBS, which I'll talk about in just a second. Well, actually, it's the next sentence. So the doc was initially supposed to be a uh, 30-minute piece to be shot for and aired on PBS. But like we said, eight years later, the filmmaker shot around 300 or 250 uh, hours of footage and turned a 30-minute piece into a three-hour feature film. So I think its running time is actually like two hours and 50 minutes or so. Yeah, 52 um, or something. Yeah, it's Super pretty high. Long. It's pretty pretty yeah. long. And it feels long, too. It doesn't, it doesn't feel short. It feels yeah, long. the pacing for it is really odd. Um, yeah. And it, it, it kind of goes up and down with its problems and it, it doesn't have like a clear climb necessarily uh, and then they kind of just drop stuff in here and there like oh we're going in this direction and suddenly we're back over here uh, to talk about this you know yeah uh, like it almost feels non-linear even yeah. though I think honestly I think it's the most linear you can be I yeah. don't know if they really deviated time well because they all. purposely show like freshman sophomore junior yeah. or whatever right yeah um, yeah i think yeah i think that's what was weird about it was that it was almost too linear in yeah. the sense of like it's yeah. just so straight for yeah. like I, I i don't know and because you tell it in that in, in a linear structure which of course you are going to right like generally in a documentary it's a timeline from 
where you started following them to to, yeah 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 but because of that like some years are way worse than other years you know so it's kind of like well this year wasn't as bad and the next year you find out the dad was like in jail because he was addicted to drugs and he was selling drugs and then like right you know like uh and which is like way worse than like the problem they had just before that or you know but then, yeah, it's just, it's like, you know, freshman year was kind of hard because they were trying to get into school. Well, that's a really big problem. And then next year it was kind of like, well, they're just in school, you know, and like trying to yeah. balance grades or something, you know, like that type of thing. Right. Um, so it's just, you know, up and down. Um, the filmmakers began the process with no money, actually. And it wasn't until a few demos were cut that they were able to secure funding. Wow. Kind of a... Unless you have a really good idea, background story, and a good treatment and a pitch, like most documentaries, I feel like either start with debt funding, yeah, yeah, uh, until you can get something shot, and then you go from there, and hopefully you can get the money for it, type of thing. I feel like starting right. a dark documentary would just be super hard. It's hard. Like, hard. I, like harder than just a regular narrative film, I think, because because it's also like you have to be trying to film them all the time. But you got to also pay your bills. Yeah, that's right. And, and like, you don't know where the story is going. You know exactly. Like who? Know, like when this guy got injured in this movie, I was like, oh my god! Like I, I was like, that really sucks for this kid because it's gonna impact his career as a basketball player. But I was always, th- I was also thinking about the documentary guy. Yeah, totally. Like, I was like, oh, like where does this movie go? Like after this, like after he got injured, like totally, what if he totally tanks. Well, it's uh, like they, how they didn't think. I mean, it was going to be a 30-minute piece on uh, one playground and the kids in the playground, which grew into this huge, huge project. Like, a lot of documentaries start like that where you just don't know, you know, like... Not everyone can be Errol Morris, where you interview some really hot shot person who's had this crazy long history, yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. and so you know how to structure your documentary. It's like a lot of people are just filming. Like, uh, 9-11 is a fantastic example of this. So it's just literally called 9-11, uh, and it started out as these two French filmmakers uh, were just kind of filming like a day in the life of a fire uh, a, a fire department fire unit or whatever uh in new york and it just so happened that that's when 9-11 happened and these firefighters the their actual unit happened to be first responders for 9-11 oh man so this documentary yeah is one of the only pieces of footage of the first plane hitting the tower wow that's where that came from from this documentary and it was an accident Wow. Obviously, like they <laughs> weren't even crazy. planning to do that. So yeah. their film turned into this crazy ass film about 9-11 and like the, the horrors and the stress the firefighters went through and everything like during that right. time. Like it, it's Cause that's crazy. just the content they were capturing. Exactly. Yeah, it's so crazy. Exactly. Wow. So, I mean, it's just that's kind of what's kind of cool about a documentary, though, is like, you don't know. I mean, your 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 main character could be in a bad accident all of a sudden yeah yeah and like yeah (laughs) like you know for an extreme example like and so it's like okay well now you're in the hospital and like shit's going down because you can't you know go to work or do normal things anymore right right you know like you know you just never know you just never know um that's great i guess i mean that's not great but i mean that's like but that's the interesting thing about a documentary, it. right? Like, yeah, it's I mean, funny. I hadn't even heard of that. I should. I want to check that out. Now. I saw that one in high school, actually. Wow. Yeah, 
It's oh, cool. Man. We watched it for a class. It was it's a really good documentary. Super, wow. super powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's really powerful. It's really good. Uh, really well made. Um, nine eleven. Just nine. I think it's nine slash one one. Oh, so, well, cool. yeah. Maybe just watch it. Um, what uh, what date? What date was that filmed on? Uh, I think it was two thousand two. <laughs> That's not right. You mean two thousand? Well, no, but he, it was made on November 9th in two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna call you out, but now I know you're fucking with me. <laughs> Sly dogs over there. I don't know. Some people write the date with nine eleven would be just November 9th. Just, but... just weird British people. But on let let's just clear this up for once in in for America. We fucked up. It should be the day. The month and the year. It should be. You know, it makes more sense. Why? Because you're well, going outwards? Because, like, a small. I guess it makes sense, yeah. Start small and get big. You know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes Doing sense. Doing it the way we do it, going outside, inside think, to outside to the other side, it doesn't from, make sense. From now on, you should write even the time. <laughs> <laughs> the millisecond in which. <laughs> I have to keep. I have to bring an eraser with me, so keep switching it. Because when <laughs> I start, it'll just change again. Eight, eleven, nine, ten, seventeen. <laughs> exactly. People are like, "What is this? Is this a like, serial number? What are we yeah, this is the time I signed you, asshole?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> signature. Uh. So this film does have some controversy behind it. Um. According to St. Joseph's High School, which is the main high school that the kids want to get into, that's where Isaiah Thomas went, uh, who's kind of their big inspiration. They always talk about him. Everyone refers to him. Uh, The coach is supposed to be the one that's going to get you there, get you into college, which will get you in the NBA. Um, Talking about uh, Tuss, right? Tuss. Is that what his name is? I can't remember. I can't remember what his name is. They called him Tuss. T-U-S-S. Is that what it is? Okay. Um, yeah, the dude with the glasses. That's all I remember about him. Uh, so according to St. Joseph's High School, which would later go on to have a dispute, I believe, which became a legal dispute uh, with the filmmakers, claimed that the filmmakers used education, quote, educational purposes in order to get access to certain places, possibly saving money in the process. Uh, so the dispute was that they the, the only reason why this religious school gave access to to the filmmakers in the first place was uh, because they claimed it was for educational purposes, which, according to the filmmakers at the time, was true, and they didn't know that the film was going to grow into what it was. Wow. So, and what they're saying is that they weren't lying, essentially. Um, And I get this feeling that the school kind of wanted a cut. Um, (laughs) That sounds about right. Did they get their cut? I have no idea. I I heard that they got their... uh they did get a settlement a, some sort of yeah, settlement yeah. yeah yeah makes i mean kind of, i mean that kind of makes sense it, it, it also it seems like this a type of school that would be up in arms by something like that i feel like yep a lot of public schools they just don't give two shits and they're just want to get out you know what i mean but not saint joe's that's well like that school in the film <laughs> that school withholds transcripts because the kid couldn't the kid's family couldn't make the payments Exactly. So they were going to use the transcripts exactly. to go to another school, but the, they withheld until they got their payments. Yeah. So, right, because they could easily just release those and just be like, sorry, you can't help it. But they care so much about money exactly. that they're like, they're holding the fact that this kid can graduate just so they can get money. And they're a, li- a religious Spike private Lee. school. Sp- yeah. Spike Lee knows. 
Yeah. He shows up in the movie. That was funny. It's, it's fucking asinine. Yeah, that's random how he just popped in there for like a like a right. five-second little dealio. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and then I guess, well, between the school and the coach, they both said that the school was pissed because they felt like the filmmakers didn't present them in a good light, which, no, they didn't really, but at the same time, it did kind of seem like you guys yeah. are being yeah. assholes for yeah, like no yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. their own light. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're, they're just filming what was there, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then I guess the same, the coach said the same thing. Like, he thought that the filmmakers, like, didn't present him in, like, a good light, which I thought by the end, like, especially that speech at the end, it was kind right, of like, you right. know, he was, he was, was fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was fine. He kind of like, just seemed whatever. like a coach, like a high school <laughs> yeah. coach, like. He seemed like a, just a regular old coach. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what other kind of coaches people have. But most but, of the time, uh, they're pretty extreme, and they get amped up, and they get excited, or whatever, you know. Right. Like, like you want a passionate coach. You don't want yeah. some, like, quiet-ass a little, little bimbo, like <laughs> bimbo is the wrong Quiet word. Ass little bimbo, uh, some like timid, meek team. person. Yeah, right. To, to pi- coach your yeah. high school basketball team. Yeah, you don't want exactly. that at all. I yeah. was trying to picture a male bimbo. <laughs> yeah, bimbo was the the wrong word. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny. I thought it was maybe a Jim Jimbo. You know, Jimbo. Jimbo. That's actually not bad. <laughs> Jimbo. Oh. Um, <laughs> The film opened to universal critical acclaim, and Roger Ebert considers it one of the greatest ever made, possibly his favorite or top three favorites of all time. Uh, he considers it, quote, one of the great movie-going experiences of my lifetime. So take Which, that what you will. I, I, so I IMDb'd the director, right? And he did the documentary about Roger Ebert. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. What is it? Uh, my life? Life uh, in life or something? Life itself, I think is what it's called. Or uh, something, something like that, yeah. But so I thought that was kind of funny. I'm thinking they probably struck up a friendship, you know? Yeah, I'm sure like, Ebert probably, reached probably, Because yeah. Ebert had a... I'm going to talk about this just a little bit, too. Like, actually, that's the next thing. But, like, he kind of had a hand in this film later on, too. Like, Ebert and his and stuff, so... No wonder um, he liked it so much. Yeah, exactly. It's the only film he's made. So, I, I, I haven't... <laughs> Dude, that's the thing that kind of gets me about him, though. Like, I've read some of Ebert's reviews, and he's one of those people, too, where it's like, really hated a movie that I thought well, actually wasn't bad, and really liked movies that I thought were not that great. So, I don't know. He's an interesting right. guy. But he did he did work on some films. Like, he wrote the screenplay to... Um, that It's just funny that he that he wrote the screenplay to it. Uh, yeah, Life Itself. What's the name? What's the name of the film that he wrote? Uh, in the 60s. Um by that famous cult director Russ Meyer I think I forget the name of the movie though but yeah so Ebert wasn't one of those annoying reviewers that just like reviewed movies and never made a I movie mean, he, in their life he did he, most of his stuff he he, he did very f- little filmmaking or whatever but like he he did have a few credits that's what pisses me off about reviewing movies though it's like unless you've made your own you kind of like which is sort of not good to say because like we review all sorts of things that we don't like I review video games I have no idea how to make a video game like right, right. Them, but, but like yeah. we all have opinions on things that we don't necessarily know how to do but it's like a movie you, it's not really an excuse anymore with the whole like you can go out and make a movie whenever you want so make a movie and then review it or shut the fuck up because like, <laughs> you don't know what went into making that movie necessarily. Is uh, the Ebert movie, is it Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? That's it, yep. Beyond the Valley yeah. of the Dolls. Yeah. Classic. It's Russ Meyer, right? Is it the director? Beneath the Valley of I the Ultra know. Vixens. <laughs> um, 
something like Who that. This? Some some name like that similar. Oh yeah, Russ Meyer. Oh, I was right. Okay, good. Nailed it. Nineteen seventy. He wrote movies under stage names. Interesting. Like two of it. One Ebert. He wrote Up, like a movie called Up from nineteen seventy six. I was like, what the fuck? No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Beneath the Valley <laughs> of Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. He wrote as R Hyde. Oh. Um, yeah, so... And the next one was P. Jekyll. <laughs> P. Jekyll. <laughs> P. Jekyll. I get what... I, I smell what you're... Uh, I smell something. I smell. <laughs> it was... It, it was dumb. <laughs> smells pretty good. It smells pretty um, good. <laughs> so, uh, how, uh, so this film opened to universal critical acclaim everyone loved it however the film was not nominated for best documentary at the academy awards which led to a revision of the nomination process and this <laughs> which is pretty cool that this movie did that um yeah and i guess part of that was that uh ebert uh when he heard about this because he loved the movie so much he found out uh their nomination process and kind of put it on blast, and so did a couple of other media outlets just kind of put the nomination process on blast, which caused them to change uh, their process. So their process is apparently members of the Academy's Documentary Committee hold flashlights when they watch movies, when they watch documentaries, and anyone who had given up, quote, given up, could take the flashlight and aim it at the screen and wave it against the screen. And <laughs> the movie gets turned off if a majority of people start waving their flashlights. What? Apparently, Hoop Dreams lasted anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes before everyone was pointing their flashlight at the screen, and they stopped watching it. <laughs> it's, when I read that, I was like, no, this can't be true. But then I was like, you know what? But then you think I can about see the, it. the MPAA exists, yeah. and that's just a bunch of opinions. Yeah. There's no it's just, it's just, They're standard. just a bunch of flashlights. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly... <laughs> This film only lasted 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 or 20. I've heard 15 or 20, so one of the two. I mean, it's just sad. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. Out of a three-hour movie. It's not even, it's not even fair. Like, it's... If you're going to review, if you're going to nominate and or review a movie, it should be, like, if you didn't watch the whole movie, then, like... Well, the editing was very good because, you know, it was nominated for Best Editing after only 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. After a (laughs) three-hour movie, it doesn't make any sense. Well, also, do, what do, is that process? We, like, what is that? Think, I don't know what that. I don't. I don't really. I have this. I did not read about that beforehand. That is amazing. Uh, but can we guess that the reason it was shot down so quickly is because it feels like a shitty PBS TV spot uh, with its with the DV camera look to it i mean yeah i could see it, that being a, one of the like one film. of the issues yeah totally yeah because that's like people look at it like like i was watching it my brother came down and he was like are you just watching a high school uh basketball right now and i was yeah. like technically yes <laughs> i would say that the look of it definitely makes it like like harder to harder it, to see it it is yeah. harder to get into it. it it's hard like that was something yeah. i was going to bring up it's it, it reminded me of um it, it just reminds me a lot of the TV movies yeah too you know which 100% it just has yeah. that like which is where it started so yeah. like you know that's kind of what they were going for it has for. that very the, PBS look yeah. like the 90s totally, like totally looks <laughs> oh my god which is probably they thought well 
what the hell does this matter, you know? Like, yeah. So I guess to give him, you know, some benefit of the doubt, you know, like, okay, yeah. Sure, that's that's a reason that's hard to get into it, right? But I want to know who started this process. Who brought, Who was the first person to bring a flashlight to the theater, shine it at the screen, and was like, I don't want to watch this. Who uh, had my flashlight? What? Yeah. what a fucking jackass. Seriously. Pretentious assholes. God. And now he feels cool about himself because he's like, ah, I started that process. It was probably... It, it was pro- <laughs> but it would be awesome if it was like Jack Nicholson or something. <laughs> oh, that would... Yeah, if it was a big name. That yeah. would be hysterical. Maybe it was Nakey Jakey. I just picture I mean, someone like Nakey Jakey doing it. Nakey Jakey always brings a flashlight and a siren to to his film. His a only credentials siren. is that his dad is an actor, and that's how he got in there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, my dad's an actor. Respect me and my flashlight. Oh, so. my God. So yeah. stupid. Um, also, on top of that, none of these individu- individuals were documentary filmmakers. I, they had never made documentaries and most likely never made a movie ever. So, again, reviewers who n- have no idea about the process. But but they um, have flashlights, so, you know. But they have flashlights, so they got yeah. something, I guess. That's they got something. Funny. They're definitely enlightened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's it. Podcast uh, over. We can wrap yeah. it up. We don't need any more episodes. Byron, Byron is, is signing off. Keith and I will finish up. Oh, you should have just dropped the mic. <laughs> um, yeah, we're... Pretty hard see. to do. So, this uh, led to the change which basically was that documentary filmmakers were allowed onto the committee which kind of obviously began to alter the opinions of movies um there was also something i read where uh some individual uh got the it said that they they talked to one of the accounting firms who like helps keep track of this the the voting and stuff not accounting and like financial sense but keeping track of voting um and getting the people who vote getting their nominations and everything and he said that also part of their process was that the film the the five films that they wanted nominated they would put five stars whether or not it was five stars or not and they would put zero for all the rest so it, it led to this weird like skewed voting where there would be only be one or the other so like uh-huh. some films would have five stars and others would have multiple five stars so Weird. like it just was no there was no even ground yeah. out of this out of this rating system so it just right. made no right. sense like like some films that had a bunch <clears throat> like which this didn't make sense to me either but they said some films that had multiple five stars like didn't make it or whatever, yeah. just because of the way it works. Like I don't know, right? It's it's like, they needed, uh, like a thumbs up and a thumbs down type of type of deal. I mean, they might so, as well have done that, yeah. yeah. Instead of a because like a star, a star system, system is supposed to give you like a sliding gradient, right? Like right, you know, on on films and stuff. But yeah, I, that's the problem with those nominations too. Is like a lot of that stuff was just not talked about, so no one knew. And then you would just be like, "Well, my film's not in. Oh well." Like right, or you'd be pissed because your film didn't get in. Like, yeah, like oh man, Forrest Gump won. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I was thinking that <laughs> Forrest Gump Fucking wins over Forrest Pulp Fiction. Gump. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's a question. That's an interesting question to ask, though. Would you rather have your film win an Academy? Like, let's say best film. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather have your film win best film, 
or would you rather have it like be nominated I guess in the sense of Pulp Fiction right like let's take Pulp Fiction yeah. and Forrest Gump for example so it was nominated but didn't win but I feel like Pulp Fiction had the bigger impact historically I would rather have the bigger impact just because there's so many Oscar winning movies where the director was like a one hit wonder you yeah, know what right? I mean yeah and there's, I, a, there's a lot of movies like that just like in general right like just one hit directors yeah totally writers too but that's uh, it's interesting to think about. Like Jacob, would you want to? Would you rather win that Academy Award, or would you rather have your movie just not win but have more of a influence? I think a nom- just to be nominated would be so fucking cool. Would to be, be nominated, is I mean, cool. like it's like Ed Harris, right? He's never won an Oscar, but he's been nominated a couple of times. And you could totally sling that around. Like it, I'm nominated. I've been yeah, nominated. Yeah, like, yeah. And, that's- and you know, on trailers now they go, you know, five time Academy Award nominated, you know, d- uh, director or actor. Okay, let's let's take nominated out then. Would you rather have it win, or would you rather have your film? not even make it into the Oscars. I mean, it's tough because... But have a better, bigger influence later. See, yeah. I, I'd, I think I'd, ra- I'd really rather have just the bigger influence later. I think so, However, too. the Oscar... Like, getting an Oscar... Say, say, say the three of us, right? We did a documentary about some, like, homeless guy or something, and it won best Oscar... Best documentary, <laughs> best 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 documentary Oscar. It would do so much for our careers. Yeah. You're, you're like, the next hot ticket item. Like yeah, even though we may or may not live up to that in theory. You know, but like you said, because some but, people just were one hits, right? So right. Like, in theory, you should should set you you should have people calling you all the time. Right. Like, okay. Hey. Yeah. Let's make a new well, movie. I mean, a good or, you example know, like, would be the T. Was that guy, the guy who won for Undefeated? Who went T. to Western. Martin? Yeah. yeah. Like, what else has he really done now? La ninety two. So I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. La ninety two is supposed to be super good. So it's coming out. I think it already came out. Oh shit! Yeah. Fuck! I haven't even. And heard I of think it. it actually. It's the Bellingham guy, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know if it oh, got nominated it's so, it's again a, or not. It's the one about Rodney King and stuff, right? Like the nine, the LA. Yeah. Riots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I did. I did hear about that. Okay. Sweet. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, but well, he won that what in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Came up this year, and you know, eighty roughly eighty six percent, eight not eight bad. out of ten stars. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Holy cow! Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it, it was made for national with national National Geographic's help. Uh, what was its uh, cinema score? <laughs> Probably didn't even get. I was gonna say it does. I don't think they're. I don't think they were scored. Not even there. Not no. even there. Surprise. Um, no, but he. I actually. I met him too. Because uh, when he came to Western again, I, and when he came to. Because I was in Fairhaven at the time, and he went through Fairhaven, so he came to give a small talk, and then. I got to see Undefeated before it was released. Oh, sweet! Out. Yeah, I went to. Damn. I went to buy the tickets for that, and they were already sold out. And I, it's not like I waited either to like go get right. it. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just it, it was sold just, fast. Yeah, it was there. sold out yeah. fast. I was like, damn. Yeah. Uh, the film won the Primetime Emmy Award for exceptional merit in documentary filmmaking, ousting Oscar winner OJ Made in America. Oh wow. Yeah. So I imagine it's going to be up there. Yeah. Um, shit. I don't know. It came out just this year, so it's kind of a little early, I think. Right to. To talk about its awards and stuff. I'm trying to right. see. It won that. It won the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences College Television Awards. Um, 
and it was nominated for Black Reel Awards for Television. So we'll see. I mean, it just came out this year, so that yeah. means it's slated to still. It'll probably out. play at the pick through maybe yeah, for something, maybe yeah. for October or whatever. Okay. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be cool. Yeah, that's, that sounds I hope cool. So. I want to watch it. Yeah. It's supposed to be super good. Um. Well, anyway, to to answer your question, uh, Keith, uh, since you asked me that, uh, I think I would rather ha- uh, win, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and just because it's better for your career, um, it gives you more recognition. You get that sense of accomplishment. Um, if I, if I made a movie and everyone just kind of and it didn't get nominated and it was kind of by the wayside and everyone copied that and made a bunch of money off of kind of my thing I, I would honestly be a little bit upset like I would want some recognition for like the guy who started something you know I guess either way yeah. in either sense you're most likely going to have a decent career like because right. even if your film doesn't win an award those directors are right. still sought out for various things and you producing, know producing consulting yeah exactly or like you could be no like you know if you start kind of like a, a movement of some sort yeah. or some influence yeah you know people are they're gonna look for, look to you to make some other yeah. stuff you know like oh 100 percent, yeah and I, it's you know it's just one of those questions where like if if any of us are ever there, we're probably gonna feel differently. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're gonna be like, Well, I deserved the award. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. We'll probably all be jackasses at that point. So <laughs> uh, right now we're all nice and soft and I think at that point, if we ever get to that level where we're getting nominated for shit, we're just gonna be hard motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> like Byron to show up with a big ass chain that says B Ryan. I'm leaving then, the podcast. No, it'll be, it'll be a grill. Yeah. It'll be a grill. Be a grill. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Kevin will have the chain. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh man. But, but um, what about you, Keith? What what would you want? I think that I don't know. I've never been good with accepting awards and being in an award ceremony. Like I like doing the competition for films even though it makes me like super nervous and stuff but like the whole going through the process of waiting to see if you won an award and if you have won an award trying to go up to get to getting the award like all of it's just kind of like i've never been good at that so i think i'd go with the like the influence thing like you know maybe not win the award but know that my film kind of like it touched people yeah Yeah. and like a bunch of filmmakers afterwards were trying to like copy it it's kind of see that's, that's also the, endearing in its own it's way kind of flattering. Totally, yeah. yeah yeah totally because I, th- I don't think we talk about pulp fiction as being nominated for an oscar right you you talk about pulp fiction about the influence it had culturally on scripts on stories it, it like, is the penultimate right. movie of the 90s the yeah. ultimate movie yeah the penultimate movie of the 90s it's got to be the best film of the 1990s i think right that'd be, be ultimate i think penultimate means next yeah. to last is it? I oh, think so. Shit. <laughs> I, it's either, yeah, it's I'm only an English or, major. Or, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's either Pulp Fiction or Forrest Gump, like one of those, I think. According to Fuck Eber, it Forrest is Hoop Gump. Dreams, so you're both wrong. Uh, yeah, also Hoop, dream, hoop Dreams. Eber so. is the only correct, he is the God Reviewer that we all must worship. <laughs> the God Reviewer. <laughs> he is the God If you Google a movie... The Ebert review comes up on it's like Rotten Tomatoes percentage, yeah. Roger Ebert's rating, yeah. and then like IMDb is after Ebert. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I think a part this of that though wizard. was the whole you know Roger Ebert 
uh, or the uh, Roger and Siskel or whatever you know the, the, the show that they'd had Siskel yeah, yeah. Siskel yeah. and Ebert the, the, the two thumbs up uh, rating system yeah. yeah I mean because of that show I think yeah, that, that it that just got, it's so it just made him so popular exactly. I wonder if he ever what? paid to go see a movie after a while like when he went to film festivals and whatever probably else not. probably not he probably got a he probably doesn't pay for movies. I was at gonna all. say, well, he's dead now, so um, he doesn't pay <laughs> his, for movies but anymore. His wife but... does all of it. His wife do, is, is exactly. does it all now. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah it's they have other contributors Chaz, who do yeah. the Ebert, yeah, RogerEbert.com or whatever yeah. Ebert reviews or whatever it's called. But I'm sure oh. she runs the estate. Yeah, he has she, an estate, she, so. and she's she's at the she asks every like she asks good questions at every press conference at the Cannes nice. Film Festival and stuff like that. Like she's she's right there. She at probably the gets an in too. Yeah. I would bet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, after a while, I don't think he was paying for Jack. Oh, probably Because I think a lot of people yeah. wanted his review anyway. Yeah, yeah. They were hoping right. if, if Ebert gives a good review, then we're yeah, going to be kind so of in, right? The name like, is a name, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, the only, he's the only film critic ever to win a uh, Nobel uh, prize. Really? Yeah. I didn't know oh. that. Yeah. Interesting. Mm, that's crazy. Huh. Or Pulitzer, I mean. Oh, okay. Makes oh, sense. okay. Makes that make, yeah. yeah, that makes a little not, more. Not Nobel, Nobel. Yeah, the, the Nobel. The, yeah. the, the Pulitzer, yeah. I think Pulitzer, he's the only, right? Uh, he's I got a purple heart. Fuck, yeah. something he's like that. He's got a purple <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Okay, so I got a little quick, couple of quick little things here for Hoop Dreams. Um, so to stay eligible for college basketball, neither family received any money from the film initially. But Gates and AG would later be made full partners and received shares from that. Um, yeah. So that's good. Getting that dollar, yeah. buying that house. <laughs> that just shows you how screwed up NCAA is, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the college basketball did association. You, did, you, did you guys hear what happened yesterday with that? No. Since we are a topical uh, podcast now. <laughs> Didn't a bunch of coaches get caught for like, uh, or no, uh, yeah. not coaches. Um, it coaches. was a bunch of scouts and stuff got caught essentially like. Scouts, managers, coaches. Yeah. And the head of marketing at Adidas. They were paying for all sorts of things they weren't supposed to be paying for. Like, they were, Yeah, they were paying players to go to specific Adidas uh, yeah. sponsored schools. And they were signing kids up. Uh, if if they made it to like the NBA, they would automatically be an Adidas sponsor and not a Nike sponsor. Yeah. So it's like their way of kind of getting in there and bribing kids to uh yep. to do so. Bribing and, is a good word. Yep. Yeah, bribing. So, yeah. so what, which is why the FBI was there because <laughs> of the bribery. Yep. That's big. Yeah. That's so yeah, really like what's going to happen with that? Like, I mean, you know, like what are the, what are these guys facing? You know. Uh, well, one guy's already in jail. That's the the, the head the guy in adidas uh i don't know the legal language of it and this is where i get a little bit confused because to in my brain ncaa is a private enterprise yeah and i i is i don't know if it is public i, I just don't understand that but like it if this happened in the now. nfl you'd get kicked out of nfl but we, you wouldn't see jail time you know what i mean you would just be like, "Hey, you can't work here anymore." I think, and, and that's it. It might be public though, right? Because it's college. Some of the co- well, I mean, college be, is both private and public. Because the NCAA is just all the athletics. But. Yeah, because even high school is part of that, right? Uh, or no, national so, col- collegiate. Collegiate. So what's yeah, the what's the, what's yeah. the high school one in something? I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, Basically, what's really I mean, the reality is the people who got caught are gonna 
take the fall. The other people are just going to do way better at not getting caught, and things will kind of go on. Because NCAA is a multi-billion dollar industry. College sports are a multi-billion dollar industry. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. It's not going to be affected by it that hard. Oh, oh, hell no. No. But apparently I I heard the players that got paid are are just getting (laughs) off scot-free because they they didn't know any better. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So they, they didn't know. And so they just what one, one guy got a hundred thousand dollars. This is a trip. Wow. NCAA is a non profit. That's weird. Well so is so is the NFL. I get are they really? Yeah, they're they're a non profit. Motherfucker. Uh, technically. Shit. They would be a non profit, dude. That's yeah. fucking so sketchy. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because all those people who are involved in NFL have other businesses and then you donate it to the NFL. They like, tie there's it all to these them. weird like tax like breaks you yeah, can get because yeah, it's a non profit. Yeah. That's Big time. fucked, dude. That's fucked. Oh god. Yeah, it's pretty weird how uh it's a non profit but like your low end employee gets three million dollars a year. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I wonder like, how oh, many yeah. like Russian like you know billionaires have investments in the, oh, uh, the yeah. NFL. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, it's hilarious. What about the Czechoslovakian? Uh, you know, billionaires. <laughs> the, the Czech coaches. <laughs> yeah, the Czech uh, Czech Republic. You know. You know um, that's a trip, dude. Um, and it's funny because people think nonprofit equals charity, which is. Hundred percent wrong. Nonprofit yeah, right. is just a business structure. Yeah, right. You have you have nonprofit, and then you have not for profit, and then you, <laughs> then you have no profit. Those those are three different things. I'm at no profit right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm at negative profit. Yeah, like, Jesus. After marrying Tiff, I looked at her net worth, and I was like, oh fuck, we're <laughs> fucked because she went to grad school, you know. So now it's like, oh. yeah, but you get the value of marrying her. You That's get the, the value, thing, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't have any monetary value, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not until she makes it big in her yeah. career and then pays for your way to make movies. Exactly. <laughs> I tell her that all the time. She's down-ish for it. So. Well, she married Down-ish. you. Down-ish. So. <laughs> uh, no, I think she'll be the... Uh, one of us will be money bags, but I think it's a safer bet that it's going to be her. I think it's a safer bet. Yeah. Since, since she's a doctor. Or not yet, but at the end of the year, she'll be a doctor. I'd so. agree with that. Sounds about yeah, right. I agree with that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's nice that the kids were able to, and their and the family was able to make money off it. It was nice that the filmmakers were willing to do that because um, a lot of filmmakers, you know, are just a lot of filmmakers. Assholes. I feel like at, at that point would be like, well, it already made its run. Sorry, guys. Like, you yeah, know, that yeah, like, yeah. Um, already spent the money on a boat. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally. Uh, where are they now? Where are those kids now? Um, which is kind of the big question everyone wants to ask, obviously. Right. Better better make a sequel, you know. <laughs> yeah. The hoop dreams that didn't happen. Well, the, uh, the, the guy did, though, didn't right. he? No, I don't think so. No, they made a sequel. Yeah, it was the same director. It was like... Yeah. It, uh... uh it hoop came out reality it came in like yeah. well it came, it came it's, it's it came, literally called hoop reality it, that's, oh, not a, it? that's not a joke yeah it came out like 2014 or something yeah it came out like super recently as just like a uh catch up catch everyone yeah up. yeah, yeah it, it was like a catch yeah, up it's a catch up yeah that really because i just looked at his page and i didn't see it but yeah it was like it's called uh i don't know if he's made 26 documentaries that's quite a bit um, life after hoop dreams. That's it, yeah, it was a short one. So that's how we got the 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 update. By short, you mean it's it's uh, an hour thirty minutes, right? Well, it says video documentary short. 
No, it, you look for Hoop Reality from 2007. Oh, oh I didn't see I that didn't get one. that far down. Uh, I don't see Hoop Reality. Wait, really? It's on uh, IMDb. I see Independent Lens and Stevie and Real Paradise. Did you just... If you Google Hoop Reality, it comes up. I don't think that's a real it's movie. It's so weird. What? Uh, hoop, hoop reality movie. Are you spelling reality right? <laughs> I wasn't even searching for it. So The sequel to the documentary Hoop Dreams explores what happened during the last decade where the first film left off. Hoop Came reality. out in 2007. Who directed it? Not that guy. Different guy? I don't think it was him. It has to be a different guy. Lee Davis. Yeah, see, a different person. Yeah, a different guy. That's okay. why I didn't show up. Oh... So they made on, they made Davis. a they made it and then he, the actual director from Hoop Dreams went back and made a short apparently. Um, oh, I see. Oh, so, I didn't realize. So, so basically, uh, Arthur Ag started the Arthur Ag Junior Foundation and is now a motivational speaker for inner city youth. Uh, and and uh, William Gates became a pastor first in Chicago and then in Houston. Um, oh, wow. Neither individual made it in the NBA, but both played some form of college basketball. So in the end, you know, they kind of, they didn't. Like, They're both failures. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Hoop reality, yeah, just man. Like, just like his friend in the film who uh, ends up going to jail because he's selling drugs. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The pastor who sold drugs. Uh, yeah. But so basically, yeah. Like, so they were able to make it out of their shitty situations, though, essentially. Like, they didn't. It's kind exactly. of weird because you kind of are hoping, like, the whole point is you're hoping that they get to the NBA, but they didn't make it. So kind of is like a well nice try good movie i guess you yeah, know right but then but the, the good i think the more important thing is that they were able to make it out of those shitty like situations and i think arthur ag like his family is doing fairly well now like his i think yeah. his mom actually herself became successful and in in work and in finances and stuff like that so like their family oh, was able to move out and away from the the place where they were at um so it's like you know cool. it's good in one way and and maybe not so good in another way um, yeah i i love at the end of this doc you know how they they always have like the uh the like the 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 text that like updates you on like where they're at now yeah i love that i, I don't think it was a gee or ag it was the other guy uh what, what was his name william gates William Gates, yeah. Bill Gates. I love, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Gates. Yeah. <laughs> I love that uh, he quit uh, school and basketball for like in, 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 during his uh, his college. Yeah, he did, huh? Career, like that was like super cool because he, you could really see his like shift from being this NBA obsessed kid and like he really wants to like make it in the NBA. And just moving from this person who realized, like, hey, you know, this actually, this isn't for me. This was this was a dream that I had as a kid. And just his ability to, like, move away from that was really cool. But then also re- come back to it and be like, you know, I can look at basketball through this different light almost. Yeah, like, totally. Uh, I can still enjoy it without being obsessed with it. Um, and I think they said I, his... I just thought that was nice. Yeah, totally. And I think they said his kid 
got like a scholarship for basketball or something too. So he's still involved, you know, but he's just, he, like you said, he was able to separate out and move on from that. Oh, I was exactly. a high school star essentially at one point, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is eh, definitely cool. I forgot to read yeah. the plot summary too. It's a film following the lives of two inner city Chicago boys who struggle to become college basketball players on the road to going professional. Uh, Pro. Yeah. Pro. Pro. <laughs> just, but they never make it. Just like Spoilers. we are. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Just like us, you know, we're going pro. pro podcasters. Yeah. Uh, Procast uh, pro is what we got. All right. Let's do movie number two. Procast. Pocast. What did you say? Procast? The Procast. Procast. The Procast. Procrastinating. Yeah. Filmmaker. We're just procrastinating on our fame, guys. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the podcast is an excuse to not make movies. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we need to make movies? We're making all this uh, money doing true. this podcast. So it's yeah. kind of true. <laughs> exactly. Oh. We make a ton. Why would we? You were able to pay for your wedding entirely on the podcast. We know. That's I know. Yeah. Thank you to our sponsors. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, hoop, hoop dreams. That thousand uh, dollars a second. Letterbox is yeah. our sponsor today. Yeah, thank you, Letterbox. That was so dope, actually. <laughs> that was yeah. so dope. Um, and uh, you know, Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. Squarespace. Casper <laughs> mattresses, Wix. Bombas socks, yeah. Yeah, uh, Google, Stamps.com, Amazon. <laughs> oh, Stamps.com. Yeah, they have a lot of good stuff. HelloFresh, Microsoft. <laughs> I've heard Adam and Eve will sponsor. Yeah. But oh, Adam and Eve. Yeah, probably not appropriate for us. <laughs> probably not. You know, um, we, we we could do. Hello Giggles. That's not a <laughs> pornographic thing, but you know, it's a thing. It's <laughs> so, a thing. Thank you for the money. Okay, film number two, Man with a Movie Camera, is an experimental silent documentary film made in 1929. It was directed by, uh, these are Russian names, so I'm probably going to butcher them, but Ziga Vertov, uh, shot by Mikhail Kaufman, and edited by Elizaveta Svilova. Something along those lines. Wait, I'm confused too. Just before we start, Close enough. is this a Russian film or Ukrainian film? Because uh, I read it's like both Ukrainians who shot in Russia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because um, it's like Odessa, Moscow, and yeah, okay. it, it presents it as one city, but it's actually four. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, hang on. What if Ukrainians shot it in Russia? Would it be like that? Would still be a Ukrainian film? Or would it be a Russian? Well, so it's, it's, initially everything was in Ukrainian, and then the Russian they 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 redid all the subtitles and everything. They lost the Ukrainian subtitles for, and redid them and in, they Russian. Redid in Russian, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, like, what what makes it a? Okay, I'm totally deviating from our intro, but like, say you know, Mission Impossible goes you know with Tom Cruise, it goes and shoots in forty different countries for. That's an exaggeration, yeah. but you know, for Mission Impossible Eight or whatever, it becomes an internationally made film. Is that what they call, or is that still American an American film? It's international because generally they get funding from those countries to shoot there. Yeah, if it's a big enough production, they get funding, and then like, like, uh, we when we talked about fuck, what was that Wes Anderson Grand Budapest? Uh, it was an internet. It was like a co-production between like Germany, U.S. Right uh, and whatever, France even and France right? or something like that. Yeah, even though they, huh. they didn't even film in France, but I could yeah. be wrong on that. So, it, so, so is it is it all about where the money comes from? Essentially, like, yeah. the money comes from Ukraine. It's a Ukrainian, yeah. okay? Because like, it. only God forgives. 
Um, <laughs> who, uh, which movie was that? It was co-produced by a French, primarily French company, and then it was also it had a Thai, uh, producers that were Thai, and then um, I think they had some American yeah. investors as well. Yeah. So like, is that the uh, is that the same director as Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? <laughs> no. <laughs> Pretty sure. Fuck Chris Miller, Miller and, and Lord. Chris Miller and Phil Philly. Phil Phil, yeah, Phil Lord. Philly, Philadelphia Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Take it like so. It's the same one. <laughs> uh, the film "A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night" is called a Persian language American Western, but it's tagged as the first Iranian vampire Western. Yeah. But it was shot in like L.A. I think. Yeah, I think. A lot, yeah, I think most of it. But was. it was funded by. Iran? But it was made by, like, a Persian or Iranian filmmaker. So the director-writer was a Iranian? Yeah. Uh, Amirpour. Amirpour. Anna yeah, Lily. She's right. Amirpour. But she, well, yeah. But she's, she an, grew, she's Iranian-American. I American. That, but, but I think she grew like, up American, yeah. But does the money come from? She was born they, in the U.K. Oh, she's born so, in the U.K. But she's, so she's an Iranian-American who was born in the U.K., who lives in America, who made right. a Persian-language Iranian vampire western. But it's shot in L.A. Yeah. yeah. So that's not really an Iranian film. It wow, it's produced is, by Elijah Well, it's Wood. an Iranian-American film. Iranian-language film. It's an like, Iranian-American film. But they call it, it's right. tagged as an Iranian <laughs> Western. Oh, well, I know, but that's because that's like you have to sell it, right? Somehow, right? You got to sell it. I'm just curious. Like, is there a form to calling it an American film or a Russian film or an Iranian film? It seems like there's not, or maybe it seems like whatever language the film is, that is what it is. It is. I made a. Uh... <laughs> Never mind. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> No, you should do it now. You got me curious. Do it. It is dumb. God, I need to know. I was going to say, I was just going to say like gibberish, you know, like, you know, baby talk. Like, like, I can't even do it because I'll just sound dumb. I love but this. But like, like, this, like what? This, I miss this so much. Like a baby talk. You know, like baby talk, like this. Goo Goo Gaga. Yeah, Goo Goo Gaga. Uh, yeah. I made a Goo Goo Gaga film. Uh, oh, Lady Gaga. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's She's pre- American, I believe. That's pretty good, yeah. No, she has a, that documentary uh, on Netflix I should check out. Oh, you should. I made a I made an Iranian Gaga Western. <laughs> Gaga Western. It's pretty pretty good actually. Yeah. All the uh all the men were were actually women. But no one knew. <laughs> so it was, oh, Jesus! It was pretty. Uh, it's pretty pretty progressive. This is the know? this is the new thing. This is the new so yeah, face of this cinema. Is the new age. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that. <laughs> God, this is this is a this is a this is a quality podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, listeners. What did I say about cutting the fat off, trimming the fat off? Yeah. <laughs> Um, you, you said. I think we all know what you mean now. Okay, so <laughs> basically, it kind of comes down to like this. You can kind of call a film something, right? Like you could say, "Oh, I made like, this like British film. I made a right. British film in Britain with British actors, but it's an American film." Right. 
like you could call it that and people might disagree or make fun of you if it's not really an American film, right? But I, so it kind it's, of, lo- it's loose, like like how genre is loose. Yeah, so it kind of comes to like what are the sensibilities of the film. So in this in this example, they say a British director with a British cast made on British money, uh, which supposedly that's what 12 Years a Slave was, mostly, was yeah. a British director with a yeah. lot of British people in it, a lot of British money, but no one would say 12 Years a Slave is a British movie. It's an American movie because yeah. its it, it sensibilities are American. Its story is deeply rooted in the American story. It's an American right. movie, yeah. right? So, like, it kind of depends on what the sensibility of the movie is. Because, um, like, There Will Be Blood is kind of would probably be considered, like, an American classic. Yeah. Same with, like, No Country for Old Men because it's set in the West. Yeah. You know, stuff right. like that. Even right. though I think uh, No Country for Old Men, I think, was helped find it. I think it was helped produced by... France as well, maybe I think maybe I don't know. Could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like another example they say here is "Once Upon a Time in the West" is an Italian film that's polished a bit by the involvement of American studio money and talent. Right. But the film's core sensibility is spaghetti western, is Italian. Yeah. Right. So in that sense, but like you know, Alfred Hitchcock was British, but he made American films. Right. So, right, Chris Chris Nolan, same deal. Yeah. Wasn't uh, wasn't Kubrick making movies in Britain by the end of his career? Like Shining was shot. Yeah, because he's Britain. American, but he lived in, and shot in Britain. Right, like Full Metal Jacket was all filmed in Britain. Right, but those are American movies. Right, right, right. yeah. So, Gosh, yeah, the Yankees, man. Because like a, clock, a Clockwork Orange would actually be like a British movie. Yeah, that would be a British movie. It's interesting. I'd, right. I'd buy that. Yeah, yeah. I'd buy that. Because the yeah. characters are British. The It takes place in Britain. The actors are British. The whole crew is British, except for, like, Kubrick. And then maybe some producers were American. But Would, would you call um, Dunkirk a British film? I think it would be. Because... I think yeah. because it, it, it's about Britain, and it was filmed in Britain and Ireland and and France, right? Yeah, it was so European like, it, production, and yeah. it's by a British director. What, wasn't it? Uh, it was Warner Brothers, no? Right. So the, the studio, yeah. But I'm sure they have branches in Britain too, right? Because they have like they oh, have because they have like the studio, the the 007 lot, right? Is that Warner Brothers? Or is that Paramount? Um, or is that 20th Century? Ooh. I can't remember. Or Samuel Goldwyn? Ooh. I forget now. They just somebody just yeah, bought who, that. Who has Bond? I forget now. Isn't it Warner oh, Brothers gosh. now? I think it's Warner Brothers. I think they bought it from cuz uh 20th century or not 20th century the 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 lion one um Samuel Goldwyn, right? A- MGM. Yeah, MGM. Uh MGM was bought by Warner Brothers, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's Warner Brothers now. Yeah, it's probably Warner Brothers. But that's a good that's a good point though, you know, Dunkirk. Cuz like, you know, I think a lot of people would just initially think oh, it was an American film just because it was, you know, it's Warner Brothers, but it's, right. it's just it's weird. Warner it's, Brothers and it's, it's Chris Nolan, even though he's British, like yeah. he makes American films. Yeah, you know? like Inception is American, Interstellar is American. You know, yeah. like Memento seems. Is, I would call that American. Yeah, yeah it, it seems more like American than because it's all in LA. I mean, right? I feel like in general, yeah. a good a good indicator would be the money, first and foremost, generally. Yeah, but also. Who are the characters? Right. The content. Yeah. yeah. Money, content. And characters, I think, are a big 
big influence on that because if your character is talking like an American, the movie is going to feel more American. Right. Generally, and that's not right. always true. You can have an American in a British film who's lost in Britain because they're right. new to the country, that type of thing, right? And it would maybe werewolf. be more of a, a British <laughs> film. Yeah. With, but that's an American, American film. Werewolf, that's an American film. I think film. it's an American film, right? Yeah. I would, well, yeah. Yeah, would, because it's... Kind of in the title there. So. I mean, but it's interesting because, yeah, because it's about American... Well, it's American werewolf couple, in London. Or uh, American friends in a foreign country. That's what I'm saying. Directed by yeah. Americans. Yeah. So, like, right. it, it's really, like, what do you feel? Like, it is it is sort of arbitrary in the sense of, like, what do you feel? Like, if I'm an American and I move to Iran right now and start making films with white people speaking English, it's going to be an American film. Right. 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 Most likely. But if you feeling. shot it with an entire Iranian crew about with, like, Iranian kids, then, then it's going it to be a little more Iranian, Iranian right? film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. like, like. Only God Forgives yeah. has Thai actors in it and stuff. Like, a, the main bad guy yeah. is Thai. A lot of the other characters right. are Thai, so it becomes a Thai film. Yeah. But it does have the American main character. It has a Danish director, so but it's not it a Danish a British film. main actress. British main actress. Right. But I would say that that film... I mean, he even uses Thai in, like, the credits and yeah, stuff, yeah, but... Yeah. And some of the producers are... Uh, uh, Thai. Yeah, so yeah. like I would say that's films mostly Thai, Thai but it's still yeah. pretty American. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, right. like, it's like an American Thai. Yeah, it's a co-production. Yeah, more it's of a, a weird but it's like. But yet, but yet it was pre- predominantly produced by the French, which is so weird. But you wouldn't necessarily call it a French movie. No, that's a thing. Right? Yeah, so, so like, that's, that's, where, so, that's where the financing right, aspect right. falls right. apart. We're like, okay, right. just because of yeah, you know, because he made that deal with the, the Canal Plus, I think, or no, Wild Bunch, and it, he was he was able to make. Valhalla Rising, Only God Forgives, and Drive. Nice. It's pretty sweet. Hmm. I think I think language is probably the biggest, most obvious one. Right. Like right. if it's in German, then you're going to consider it a German film. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Inglorious Bastards kind of confuses it a little bit, but the, he's also multi-genre, so like you know, it is German, but it is American too. And when it is American, it really is American. When it yeah. is German, it really is German. Yeah. Right. You know, right. like. And then, but then you have like English speaking, you know, like Neil Blomkamp, who is kind of touted as this South African right. filmmaker. And, you know, you have District 9, which feels like as American as it gets, but it also like feels very South American. I would probably like, it call it like South African. African. Yeah, yeah, South yeah. African. You'd almost call that one South African because yeah. of yeah. so much was I, South African. I would African, consider but, it because it was all filmed there yeah. and the whole crew is South African. But it's in English, but then again, English but they, is they speak but that's English. Exactly. It's the main that's thing. That's the accent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but then, like yeah. Chappie, like would you call it, like it has the South those that band the South African band? Yeah, um, I would call that. Antwerp. I would call that South African because it was all filmed in Johannesburg as well. Oh no shit! Yeah, Mad yeah. Max was filmed that. in Australia. I'm pretty sure. Like, no, they not... filmed it in uh, Zim... Arizona. Zim... Arizona. No, no, they filmed it in Zam Zambia. God damn it! They filmed Zambibia? it. They filmed it where they filmed it where Charlie Theron is in South Africa. They filmed it in South Africa. Oh, did they? Yeah, oh. most of it. But that's oh. an Australian director. The original yeah. films were in Australia, right? So they right. would be Australian films, even though like they're kind of cult classics in America. Yeah. So they're. Because I want to say it was Charlie Theron's like first big film that she ever filmed in her own home country. Oh, nice! Which is interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so it seems to me like it's whatever sounds the best in the movie. Yeah, yeah basically. That's what the movie turns out to be. Basically. Like if, if, if it's like, oh, like Neil Blomkamp, this could be studio film, this could be American, but it also could be South African. South African sounds pretty good. Well, Let's go yeah, well, it's funny because, like, you know, Elysium was filmed primarily in Mexico, and it's not called a Mexican film. No. <laughs> no, no. That one feels the most studio. It also, it's hard. I don't know if yeah. it feels the most American, but it feels the most studio. I think it kind of does. It's hard American, because, kinda. as Americans, not, it's hard to say it because we're not European, we're not French, we don't have French concepts of film culture, but as right. Americans... Oui. <laughs> you might, yeah. Your your French last name kind of gets yeah. you there. But, uh, <laughs> over there, yeah. but as Americans, we kind of draw a hard line where between it's American or it's foreign, and essentially anything that's not American is foreign, right? Well, like, I meant, right. Well, I meant we. we well, I meant we this. as in yes. No, no, I know. No, I know yeah. you meant we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah you okay. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have the big, the big six here. Right. right. We have so the it's like it's Hollywood in the world, which is kind of like how the world is, right? So it's like there's Hollywood, and then there's everything else. Uh, and as Bollywood. Americans, we really Bollywood, think that. Yeah. Like, even Canadian is sort of like, it's we we have it. More, Canadian is still American. Like, kind, if it's yeah, it shot is. In BC, like that's still like that's what I don't, it's I, called. But a, if it's a Canadian, is, a Canadian show, film. it's Vanny Wood. Vanny Wood, North Vanny Hollywood. Wood. Vanny, Vanny Wood, Vancouver. Vanny. Oh, Vanny Wood. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to use that from now on. That's good. But even some Canadian films, like if it's like more of the sort of accented Canadian. It can feel more Canadian, which kind of makes it yeah. foreign, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Americans have this perception where it's like, it's American, it's English, or it's foreign. And that's just it. America. Right. Like, but but it's like, it's mid... It, you, there's two types of accents, or maybe three. There's Boston, there's the South, and then there's Midwest. You know, those are the three accents that yeah. are permitted in American films. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of we definitely generalize large groups of areas into one thing, and then that's it. Like it is, it is what it is. You know, like we should do a podcast in Southern accent one day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could. I don't know if Just, I have uh, going for. Act like it's some molasses coming down it's your mouth. Some, yeah, sarsaparilla. <laughs> pretend, pretend like you're on a safari. Okay, now you're just turning into McConaughey. <laughs> well, yeah, that's perfect, yeah. Um, Drive Lincoln. All right, I'm going to pull us back around here so we can kind of get through Man with the Movie Camera. <laughs> Man with the Movie Camera. That was directed by Reffin, wasn't it? The Wait. Lincoln? Lincoln commercials. Yeah, we're reffing. Yeah, we're yeah. reffing. Oh, so you're really? quoting a reffing directed yeah. commercial. Oh, suddenly, yeah. I don't like those commercials anymore. Oh yeah. my! I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Back to the film. Like Hoop Dreams, it appears on almost every list as one of the greatest documentaries ever made. Again, we are talking about man with a movie camera. Uh, easily the most noticeable aspect of the film is its highly variable and widespread use of many filmmaking techniques such as double exposure, fast motion, slow motion, freeze frame, jump cuts, split screen, Dutch angles, tracking shots, reverse footage, and stop motion animations, among other stuff. Um... And considering the size of the cameras and the fact that they had to hand crank the film through the camera, this is extremely impressive. Yeah. Like, really yeah. impressive. It's like nuts. And they actually show you, like, almost behind the scenes of the cameras in the film. Like, when yeah. the guy has the people walk over him and the carts go over him, that's just a dude laying on the ground cranking a camera. <laughs> and you can see the carts, like, go over him and stuff. Like, it's super uh, meta, you know? Yeah. It's super, like,. It, yeah, it's so it's it's yeah. like it was like I was watching Deadpool. 
<laughs> yeah. This is, oh, this is what Deadpool the got inspiration from. This is a, yeah, Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, super. Thanks, thanks, man, with the movie. It's a yeah. super inspirational film, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they, in reality, though, like they were doing things that we all do now back in the day, right? Yeah. Like, Even these like were, a Dutch angle was like looked on as weird. Yeah. You all, know? And they got yeah. a lot of flack for, for when this film came out, it was not received as well because a lot of the weird shit they were doing. Your eye doesn't well, do that naturally. That's, yeah. That's because it was only weird shit. Like, there was nothing. There was, it was like so experimentals in the, the the cut it was cut so quickly there was extreme close-ups there was yeah like the all this close-ups, shit that yeah. like people were like wow like they were like how do i like put this in my brain totally <laughs> totally and actually i have that down how here do I put this in my brain um <laughs> Yeah, so what I wrote was uh, much of their film... Uh, oh, no. There's approximately 1,775 separate shots in the film with an editing pace almost four times faster than any film made around the same time. This led to viewers being perturbed by the pacing and style of it. Um, you know, Makes like just sense. being bothered by the whole the whole thing because it just weren't, wasn't what they were used to. Yeah. It's like watching yeah. 3D or, you know, after watching 2D movies a whole bunch or like trying to watch a vr movie or something yeah. like you're just yeah. not gonna be you know people get sick in yeah VR. like your brain isn't like ready for exactly. it exactly you know? it, it, like uh i someday we're gonna watch the uh what uh the halftime show uh god what what, what is it um the ang lee movie where he shot like like a thousand frames a second oh um uh Bobby something. Um, Lynn. Uh, uh, Bobby Lynn. Billy. Bobby Billy. Lynn's, Billy. Billy Lynn's, Billy Lynn's, ha- Lynn's long lo- halftime walk. Long ha- exactly. <laughs> um, and that was shot like with a stupid high frame rate. Yeah, 100, apparently, people walked frames, out and they yeah. they were like vomiting out of the theater because they couldn't. It like hurt their brain. Like their brain was like, this is too much information. Yeah. Um, and you kind of see that with like the Hobbit. Uh, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. People are like. There's some there's something weird about how it looks like it looks fake but they can't really put their finger on it that's cuz it yep it was shot with that higher shutter speed with the higher uh frame rate and it was, um, I was like gives it that crisp look like when public enemies with uh Johnny Depp came out the Michael Mann film people like did not like how it was shot cuz it was one of the first films shot on that kind of ultra HD look you know yeah what what is the what is that is that like the the high shutter speed or what is I think what it, is I, ultra HD? I think it was I think it was it's one of those it was one of the first films shot on the Sony C three hundred series or something like that and it just had that it was it just has that like it's a digital look that like, digital it's yeah. hard to describe it but yeah, yeah there's a certain digital look to things right that like you just know it's right. a digital Gone Girl looked pretty digital I thought too like some yeah, of Fincher's it, digital stuff looks yeah. pretty digital. Um, and it's just it's just how they record it, how they color it, and processing. I guess. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what that look looks like. I remember seeing that movie and and thinking that. Yeah. Uh, Public Enemy. I'm like, this is like, this feels like weirdly crisp. You know. It's it's weird because now we're so used to it. But I remember when it first came out. I remember thinking like, this looks very, you know very different but i remember reading about it before i would yeah. seen the film but then when i was watching i was like oh dang the the reviews or you know that i was reading were right this is has a very unique look i think that's 
maybe I'm wrong here, but I get the impression that that's the filmmakers who are so vehemently against digital. I feel like only looked at digital when it was first coming out, and then haven't looked at it since and how far it's come. Yeah, I, you like know, they like look at, they look at DV. And yeah, they're like, that's not. Oh, that's me. not film. But then now you look yeah. at the Ari Alexa, and it's like, yeah, dude, side by like, side, it's like kind of yeah, hard to like, tell. Yeah, and you're like, this is uh, this is better. I mean, you, you look know? at like the gives you more tools. Blade Runner twenty forty nine commercials. I th- I'm pretty sure they filmed that on the Ari Alexas and stuff. Cause, Probably because um, it's Deacon. It's Deacon. You know, he, he loves that camera. So yeah, I, I'm just looking at it. and I'm like, that looks rich. It looks just as rich as film. Yeah, like it looks super, super fucking rich. Like now you just yeah. like I, and he's I gonna win the Oscar. He better win the fucking Oscar. For it. No, seriously, I'm not kidding. I'm just, I, I will. I'm just gonna I will, say he's, he's not going to just I, because he no, hasn't. No, like seriously, he didn't. He didn't do it for Jesse James. So why the fuck would he win it for? No, he had. Well, because it's he's fucking due. Like, and does Lubetsky have anything out this year? I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. What I mean, like anything oh, Lubetsky, big? Well, he did song to he's song. Probably, uh, yeah, probably but Jack. But he's not going to be. He's not going to be nominated for song to song, though. I know it. <laughs> Now, song to song, was, cinematography was pretty, like, standard. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah. Uh, he... I mean, who... Like, he's been nominated 11 times? Some shit like that? Well, did you see Lubeski? He had his... Uh, he had this Twitter video. He took a shit um, and filmed it. What? I think he'll probably win the Oscar for that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> this looks like a painting of shit. <laughs> no, but, like, Roger Deakins, I think, has been nominated 11 times, I think, and he hasn't won yet. No, 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 no. Oh, this can't like be Like, 20-something. He's been nominated so much, it's ridiculous. It, yeah, it's he, and he, he hasn't won, and he needs to win. And this, and he just, look, from the trailers alone, like... Dude, weird. Okay, so, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Lubeski's uh, filmography, he did one, two, three, three films in 2015, nothing in 2016, and only song to song so far in 2017. Oh, wow. Right, but that's because that's they film it and then they come out with it way later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that, like, I don't think that. But he was doing a film like, a year before that. Because so. you know he's already filmed, like, four movies probably. He did in... Burn After Reading? Yeah. What? He did um, uh, Sleepy Hollow with Tim Burton. What? Yeah. He did like E2, Mamata Bien, and... He did a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, Jim Carrey. And he, you know, he did, uh, oh, he, did. he did the third Harry Potter. He did Cat in the Hat. He did the third Harry Potter. I think so, right? Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah. I don't see it. No, Harry it's Potter not the third Harry Potter. Potter. That No, that's just Coron. Uh, Sleepy else Hollow. Um, Meet Joe Black. The Birdcage. He did... What the f- F, dude? Yeah, it's just bizarre. He's been... Yeah, what okay. the hell? Contu Pareja, so I, I think he did. I was wrong about uh, Deacons. Um, it's actually... He's been nominated 13 times 13 for times, cinematography. Okay. Uh, hasn't won. Yeah, I know. That's, see? But he has won American Society of uh, Cinematographers Award. Of course. Which, honestly, that's the one you want. You know? Like, that's the one where it's like all, all of your... Buddies who are all cinematographers, yeah, your peers, like, hey, yeah. This is the best, yeah. Your peers, exactly. And he won for the man who wasn't there. He won for Shawshank Redemption. He won for Forrest Gump. Oh, sorry, that, that slipped. No, that that's totally, Rod, totally that's false. Robert Richardson did. I think. I know. Did Robert Richardson do Forrest Gump? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. No, no, it was I a different know. guy. I just I, I just forget. said that because I, so, I was somebody. I was, 
I wanted to see your reaction, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as good. Don't, don't you ever put Roger Deakins in the same sentence as Forrest Gump again. <laughs> he went for uh, Skyfall, though. and uh, Skyfall got a lot of acclaim, though. Yeah, I think, the cinematography yeah, was really good in that. I think that was for that scene. It was like in the forest, and it was a very gumpy-looking forest. Oh, my like, That's why he won. God. Roger just can't Deacon just Dennis. whenever he starts to ramble on about something, know the punchline is going to be two things: Forrest Gump or Angel. Like yeah. you just know. I'm not a hard guy to understand. No. I'm not. I'm very easy once you know the trick. <laughs> well, yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, I still got a little bit more to say about this film. Uh, so let me say that uh, the filmmakers make their intentions really clear with this film. Uh, they make it very obvious with an opening title sequence stating that the film is, quote, an experiment in cinematic communication of real events without the use of intertitles, without the help of a story, and without the help of theater. This experimental work aims at creating a truly international language of cinema based on its absolute separation from the language of theater and literature. I thought this was weird because he made an experimental film, which in and of itself doesn't necessarily speak clearly uh, even visually uh, about what it's a, what it's tackling yeah. um so and then he used inner titles to tell you that stuff which is sort of ironic yeah um the 68 minute film was filmed over a period of three years in four different cities like we said in 2012 it was voted as the eighth greatest film of all time by sight and sound uh, the film, or a group of film, filmmakers called Canucks, of which Vertov was a part of, uh, made it their sole mission to abolish all non-documentary styles of filmmaking, making them one of the earliest forms of filmmaker movement, similar to the more modern Dogma 95. Yeah. Uh, which is, and I guess, supposedly around their time, too, they sort of had a hand in kind of dismantling standards of filmmaking, um, but the fact that they essentially didn't want any narrative stuff at all is what they're because non-documentary, right? So nothing necessarily narrative. It all had to be real on the street type of stuff. Uh, right. Kind of helped shape and change, you know, film at the time. But obviously, more later, it influenced filmmaking now, and it's yeah. considered one of the greatest movies ever, right? Uh, in this group of filmmakers, much of their films were controversial, although important for cinema at their time. You know, kind of like films that are like nowadays, right? A divisive movie still ends up being important in some way because people are talking about it. Yeah. It's, talk it's touching on some sort of subject that makes it divisive. Um, uh, we talked about that. 1,775 separate shots. Uh, and, yeah, like many other most important films, quote-unquote, uh, this released to divisive reviews, but later, you know, was reevaluated as one of the best ever. Citizen Kane, I think, was even the same way, stuff like that. This is interesting. So, like, for me, like, I wouldn't consider this one of the greatest eight, like, eighth, you know, greatest film ever made. I would maybe say eighth greatest influential films ever made, but yeah. not greatest film. Most influential, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. No, because there's, like, there's, like, there's three things. There's, like... This influential films, greatest films, and what I like love as a human. yeah personal yeah, favorite personal yeah yeah personal yeah. favorite, which those are three completely, completely different, different categories. things. I, yeah. I don't I don't know why this is considered eighth greatest film. It, it's not like mainly because it was doing things that nothing else was doing. Yeah, at but the time. that's influential. It's not like great. But that's right. what people consider people <sighs> consider great what, because it's like. Well, nothing was really doing that, so like but as a film though, it's not right. like very you, good. In the sense of you, like 
enjoyable, at least for me. Right. <laughs> but if, if you like, when I watched this and I saw the uh, the double exposure, I was like, "Yeah, they were doing double exposure in 1920." I was like, "Fuck me!" Yeah, like, yeah. I thought that was like new, yeah, you know, because like you insane. see it in True Detective, you see it with you know Taylor Swift's like recent album cover, you know, you like see it in like all this like new newer things, like the the poster for The Forest, which got horrible reviews and box office return uh but they had double exposure technique and it's like this feels like such a new thing and they were totally doing it way back in like 29 and they and they were doing close-up shots fast cutting and it just kind of blows your mind how many techniques you see from man with the movie camera that are present i was just i was impressed with the 1775 separate shots that's insane. Yes. Like I mean, that's just insane. That, that by insane. itself, I noticed that the pedi- the editing pacing, yeah, was for only sixty minute fast. movie. It's like yeah. whoa, yeah, um, that's a lot. So number eleven on Sight and Sounds list is Battleship Potemkin, which we're going to be talking about next week. But I mean, one of the reasons why it's really high on the list is because of what it was doing that right. nothing else was doing. I mean, right? I, see, I see, I can see why. You know. I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's generally why these movies get picked is because like. Well, they were the first to really do it. To do, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's it, what we do today, I guess. The weird thing about Man with the Movie Camera is I wouldn't necessarily call this a documentary. I, I understand that it was filming uh, real events, real things that were happening. Um, but I think our, as a culture, as, 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 as the, I'm sorry, not as a culture, Film language has changed what the word documentary means, and maybe this would qualify as a documentary before, but watching it now, it feels just like an avant-garde experimental film. Uh, I wouldn't even, like, there's no, like, concept behind it. There's no, it seems like... uh, but was I get it, what you're saying. Just grabbed the, the camera and to, to me, though, the concept was the fact that he was going to shoot real stuff in interesting ways. Yeah, which does seem like a documentary. Right. Well, but he was saying that, he was going to shoot stuff to make a more language. Avant-garde. Right, I, I agree, and I, I I didn't know that much about this movie when I went to, when I watched it, um, and I was expecting it to be more straightforward, like just filming stuff, like more right. like uh, that one of the original films to first come out, uh, the people leaving the factory or whatever it's called. Oh uh, yeah, where the it's just Lumin- a shot of Lumineer Brothers. Yeah, the, the, exactly, uh, and it's just people leaving a factory. That's what I thought this was going to be. I thought it was just going to be I thought, a series of life, but it was it was stuff happening, and it was life in Russia. And then he just felt like he needed to do a bunch of techniques to it. Yeah. Um, and I get yeah. I, where that yeah. is kind of making me think, yeah, it doesn't really feel like a documentary all that much because he because he did all the, the, the other shit. You know, like Samsara or Baraka or the Kotsi trilogy would right. be more along what we were picturing as like a straightforward, you know, the most that, Sam, that those films do is like time lapses. You know, but it's right. just, it's generally just filming stuff in a picturesque manner uh, without right. all the extra tricks and stuff. Right. Yeah, because it is a... Because Baraka, that is still a non... I haven't seen it, but I was reading about it, and it's still a non... Uh, like, there's no audio to it besides, uh, like, an orchestrated... No, they do track. audio to it. 
Um, a lot of it. Oh, so people are like saying things. Sometimes they're not really directly addressing anything, but like there's a scene in Baraka where uh, he's filming this. It's like a. I don't know, like 60 dudes who are sitting in this. Like, <laughs> Sorry. I just. Filming 60 dudes, and then I was like, oh god. Like, <laughs> my brain just Relax. went back. Relax, buddy, yeah. Went, yeah, you went to the, the end of the yeah. movie perfume. No, they're, you know? they're sitting in like a house. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The orgy. Uh, that, that, oh, that, that movie, orgy that movie is end. one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh my god, dude, me too. Perfume? Seriously, it's, it's, it's in my top 10 films. Um, do me too. Yeah. Gosh, God, you have good taste, Byron. Just saying. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, shucks, you do too, <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, you brought up Jesse James and perfume, yeah. so you're you're on you're on my hot list. You're on my hot list. Right now. Um. Oh, sorry, there's sorry. A sequence I, I, where yeah. okay, so they're sitting in like a, a half circle in front of this like statue, and they're just they're like doing this like dance while they're sitting like cross-legged or something like all in unison but you can hear them do their chanting and stuff so like they filmed all the audio huh. and then they int- like you know they don't use audio for every sequence but right. it's one when- but it's a- it's it's atmospheric audio yeah, yeah. i mean it's yeah. it's like if they do a lot like a a wide shot of a city they're not going to necessarily use that audio because it's like you'd have to right. build it right but like because yeah that audio would be shit yeah a lot of it is like <laughs> yeah. if they're filming people they'll use the audio and you know oh, stuff gotcha, like that gotcha. you know and then so it's, oh, it's it's back and forth and they do a, the sound design and the music is really intricately and well woven together yeah. um and it just it's pretty seamless um when mm. you're watching it so you know in that sense but it's still it's still non Narrative. It's still like you're not having someone talk to the camera and say blah 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 blah. Right. blah, blah. It's, not, <laughs> it's not like about a specific event or person yeah. or yeah. Yeah, they build the narrative. They build the the ideas around how they piece things together. Like there'll be a sequence with showing like pollution and in- industry, and then it'll show nature, and then you know you kind of infer that maybe the filmmakers are trying to tell you that one thing is ugly and one thing is pretty. You know, like right. you can get right. that sense from There's it. There's three of those, right? What the that trilogy? That you- There's the Kotsi trilogy. Yeah, I know one's Koyoni Kotsi. I can't remember what the I've other ones are called. I've seen two of them. I think there's one that I haven't seen, which are made by Ron Frick, right? Um, and then Baraka and Samsara are a See, duology. I haven't, I haven't seen those. I have Brocka on Blu-ray. You can you can check yeah, it out. Sweet. They're really good. I know. They're Kyle both shot in seventy millimeter. Like, oh man, sweet. Yeah. Oh man, seventy mil. Yeah. You already got me there. On and that. Uh, he's <laughs> what Frick is known for is his uh, time lapses. Okay. So they do really intricate yeah. and really cool time wow. lapses. So you see, I've seen two of the Quatsi. Quatsi. Quatsi or whatever. Um, on VHS oh, back in the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Checked it from the that, public library, the man. Public oh, library. Are those are those four by threes or are those that full aspect ratios? Uh, I, to honestly the version that I saw and this was when I was fairly young, um, <laughs> from the Snow Isle public regional library system, uh, was I'm pretty sure not <laughs> not the full version. Like they were cropped. Okay. Yeah. It was the four by three because it was a because it was a VHS version, the quote full screen version or whatever. Yeah, it was the full screen version. Um, Which I because I remember, yeah, and I remember watching those because I was probably eleven or twelve when I saw those 
two of them. Oh, Frick didn't do that. We can hear your dog, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the podcast listeners can hear too. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty loud. Um, I'm trying to find the technical spec. But uh, he, I remember watching those when I was younger, and... and, and and I had never seen any a movie any, like like that at all ever. Yeah, it's really you know because I, I wasn't one point eight five. Okay, so it oh, was okay, yeah. wow. But yeah, interesting mm. films. Mm. Yeah, they're very very easy to watch and fun to watch. And I the think. music is great too. Yeah, from what, what I'm I remember, the music is good. Yeah, yeah they do because they're music led. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. it's like that's yeah. all you have to listen to. Essentially, yeah, yeah, essentially, uh, yeah, except for the little. Uh, yeah, yeah, the little atmospheric sounds. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to go too much longer, but I do want to just ask, you know, thoughts on the films themselves. Um, I'm pretty far removed from it, but I still kind of, I think, I guess I just kick it off. Uh, I didn't like Hoop Dreams as much as it's been reviewed and, uh, as much as Ebert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was kind of meh and kind of bland. And it was way too long. Way too long. Three hours is way too long. Um, they could have done a montage or something and, and, and like really just been like, boom, 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 and then let's get to the critical parts of the story. Uh, but it definitely just dragged. And maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset to watch. I didn't know it was three hours when I started it. Um, so and you just it? kept going and going. Yeah. And you're like, Dude, yeah, only halfway through. Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. Like, you're like, oh, this yeah. is three hours? Fuck. Like, they're interesting, but I don't think the characters were so interesting that we needed three hours with them. Um, I, I did like Man with the Movie Camera. I did think it was... I'd probably pick that one over Hoop Dreams, mostly for the historical importance of it. Um, and the crazy shit they were doing in 1929, and just thinking like the like, where were those cameras? Like some of those shots, you're yeah. like, how? How yeah. did you do that? Because one dude had to be on the side cranking, cranking on that thing. The... So yeah. yeah, that was back in the day when there was no such thing as safety <laughs> infrastructure, though either. Yeah, it's like <laughs> do whatever you want, <laughs> right? Or like a business who's like, no, you can't film here. Yeah, you know, like you might they die. No, yeah, you might die if you film here. There's a but cool like, shot. I, that shot where the guy's walking up to like uh, he's walking up like a bridge or something like a scaff like a he's walking up like the side structure of a bridge or something do you remember that shot it's like a it's like a silhouette shot and he's like walking up the structure of a bridge like way up high with a camera with a oh, camera and a tripod yes yes yes, it's like, yes. dude that would oh, never be allowed today yeah no <laughs> fuck no dude never. especially to film that event exactly like, I feel like someone would get in trouble if that showed up on film. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or you'd have to lie and be like, yeah, that's a comp. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> totally a comp. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I would say Man with the Movie. Um, and then, you know, it, the other question I think some people might have, too, is like, why did we pick these two? Uh, and the, the- that actually, I, now that I've watched both, I am curious why. Because I, I don't, I think I, I can't remember what I contributed to this episode. Uh, but I may have said "Man with the Movie Camera" because that's better. The first documentary. Oh, right? uh, yeah, yeah. I, as far as when we were deciding it, yeah. it was like we were kind of looking for an early example of a documentary, and then like what would be an example of what's considered like <clears throat> you know, in some cases, More the modern. greatest documentary or like sure. a really good documentary that's listed highly or reviewed highly. Because the problem is, is like, there's a billion documentaries. There's a bunch of good ones. There's a bunch of modern good ones. Yeah. But we can only pick two. And yeah. we already know that we're going to focus on Herzog and we're going to focus on Morris. 
So I don't want to pick their movies necessarily, even though Herzog right. has a filmography that we could talk about for years. Yeah. Um, but Morris is more <laughs> controlled, and I want to focus on him specifically because his style and his contribution to documentaries is extremely important. Impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't want to pick his, and then I didn't want to just pick a Netflix documentary, even though a lot of them are super good. Like, right. So it's like, what do we pick? You know, like, what do we got? Yeah, yeah. And this is just an introduction. I think I like documentaries enough to where I think we're going to cover them again. I don't. I mean, besides the filmmaker oh, focus, but yeah, yeah. Well, we have to cover this type of doc- documentary called fake fiction. Uh, F for fake which is. I think that is technically a fake fiction documentary, yeah. but it, it, it's essentially like uh, or mockumentaries. Uh, it's like a mockumentary, but the audience is not in on the joke. So it's intentionally... It's like a documentary where, like, you're... It's not humorous, and it's it's not really about understanding that it's... Well, I don't consider um, a mockumentary humorous. Real. It's just... I think it's kind of a bad label, because, like, there's, a, there's one... Well, I, there's one called sorry. Who is Casper Carr... And it's not yeah. a comedic documentary, or it's a it's a mockumentary, right. but it's not comedic at all. Well, wouldn't that be more of a fake fiction? No, it's let, just a let, mockumentary because like, it's just a it's just a documentary, but it's fake. That's just it's just a right. mock up, mock up, a fake of a, that's what that I means. I like mockumentaries; right. they're kind of fun. I yeah, me too. I just I always in my brain I think of mockumentaries as always humorous you know because it's all uh that is just like their style they're mocking documentaries they are mockumentaries but if there was a dramatic mockumentary i just don't know if i would call it a mockumentary. like isn't but it, I, is, I see where you're coming isn't from like, i would just call it something different. Cause isn't like cannibal holocaust kind of like a mockumentary yeah. In a way, you know, because it's yeah. mock it's, no i would call that cinema verite think or, of it in terms of mock-up so the definition of mock-up is a model oh, yeah. or replica of a machine or structure used for instructional or, or experimental purposes. I mean, it's definitely so it's cinema, a like a mock. Yeah, it's de- yeah, it's, mock-up. It's definitely uh, cinema. I don't, I it's definitely cinema it's verite, but that's just hand in hand with documentary, yeah. though, right? Yeah, but it, yeah, because yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's tough. I never I, consider it. I never thought of it as mocking as making fun of documentaries. I always thought of it as fake documentary, just automatically. Yeah, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, see, like, I always thought of it as see, mocking. But. I always, I've always, like, Keith, I've always thought of it as, like, a mock-up. Yeah. But there are a few mockumentaries that I think of as mocking, like Spinal Tap. Which is the where point. It's, where it's the, which is the right. point of it, right? Yeah. Right. Or The Office or, yeah. you know, there's a thousand. Yeah. Right. But like, uh, the, what is it, The Taking of Deborah Logan? Yeah. I guess that's more found fiction, but also yeah. documentary. I don't know. Found right. fiction and documentary, there's like, there, uh, the only difference is essentially like interviews, footage. right? Found foot, yeah. But like, it's yeah. sort of a mockumentary right. too, because it's like that style, <clears throat> but it's like horror, you know, like, right. I don't know. I get, wh- what I'm really interested in is the movies that are like F is for fake. And I think we, we should do. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. F is um, for fake is great. Yeah, like th- those style where it's like it's fake fiction. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely like, do that. Yeah, it's a serious documentary where it's like it's totally just entirely false. I lo- you know oh, what I mean? man, I love that part. But it's but you're not in on the joke, you know? Yeah, I know. That's unless you know it's already fake. Man, F is for fake is right. so good. I like that part where like he's talking to like Salvador Dali and stuff, right? Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, that's a great movie. I've been wanting to see that again. We should tell, we should do that, and uh, I think the other one is where is Rocky two? 
is another fake fiction movie. Oh wow, I've heard of that, um, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it was like one of the one of the first ones out there. Oh wow, I, I maybe not. Maybe it was just a really prominent one because um, I think F is for Fake came out before Where Is Rocky Two. Yeah, because F is for Fake came out in the seventies, right? Yeah, so, yeah, and Rocky One came out in the seventies. Did it seventy nine or eighties? I think it's an eighties movie. I th- I Actually, it, I think is it's is it late seventies, early eighties. I think it's late seventies because it was like when the Steadicam was coming out too. Because I want to say it was like mm, seventy eight, mm, seventy nine mm. at the. It was like late seventies. Yeah. yeah, right. So where is Rocky Two? That had to have come out probably like eighty. But then Rocky, yeah, Rocky sort of that. became sort of an eighties. If you know, like because Rocky Two, Rocky right. Three, whatever. Right. I don't yeah. know. It, it came out, but it like birthed the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, Eye yeah. of the tiger. Uh, anyway, what do you guys think? <laughs> just real quick, you know, on your thoughts on it in terms of hoop dreams and you got this. Uh, you got this. Well, right? to be honest, I actually didn't finish hoop dreams. Uh, so you only watched the first fifteen <laughs> minutes no. with your flashlight. And then he turned on his phone flashlight. <laughs> Fuck this living. Yeah, yeah. I'm out of here. Damn it! I should have. I should have. Nick, Nick came over. Um, yeah, Nick came over and turned it off for it, you. <laughs> Uh, but I'm kind of like Keith. I just felt like I just can't quite relate to the characters as much. It's not a bad movie, um, and I'm not faulting it for the filmmaking or anything like that. I just, I'm just one. I've never watched a basketball game in my entire life. I, I'm just not interested in basketball, and I just it was hard for me to. So it was just hard for me to relate. Um. However, I would you know I would definitely go with man with the movie camera just because I mean obviously is this unique and I like I just like I just like experimental films you know I don't know that's, like, yeah, like, totally, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair yeah. no that's that's but, a normal thing. <laughs> yeah so that's my thoughts uh, okay for me I'm gonna say uh, I'm I'm gonna hit the three points so we have greatest film uh we have most influential and then we have my personal taste i'm gonna start with most influential obviously this is uh man with the movie camera just because of all the techniques that it did and uh it was just it was it was honestly freaking cool to watch that and be like wow this is doing all this stuff yeah and it just it honestly it blew my mind when i was watching it because it was like this they're doing the like the lady who's blinking and the blinds are like going in and out yeah and it was like that is like freaking sick like i love this um like i couldn't even replicate that no you know it's like crazy it's like what (laughs) and it was like this was back when they were like literally cutting film and it's like they're achieving this you know yeah so like i'm sure i could sit down and like use it as a reference and copy it exactly but um but to just, just, just to, like to just really come, just to come up with it off the top of your head, That's like, the thing. I, like how much, like, how much? I mean, obviously there were films around them that were still doing some of this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah a lot of that was like, how do we do that and then amp it up? Yeah, you know, how do we how do, do we the, amp this up? Yeah, like how do we do and, the double exposure to make a guy look like he's walk like a tiny guy on top of the camera? Yeah, you know, like yeah. yeah. But I, I was reading that like the filmmaker. Uh, he had like a um, he, he had done a lot of short films before this that played with all of these different aspects that he included right. in Man with the Movie Camera right. um, and so this is kind of his like alma mater almost you know like his like here's 
here's what cinema language can do yeah. for, for everybody yeah. else. And that, like, I just really appreciate the fact that someone went through and did that. And and that it's still relevant today. Because, like, I watch it and I'm like, yeah, like, this is... We're still using all these, all these techniques. Um, okay, sorry. It's a totally long-winded answer. Uh, but the... Uh, as greatest uh, of the two, I would definitely say uh, Hoop Dreams. Um, that's just because it has content that you can relate to um and it's it's just it's modern maybe uh you know like the other one just it's experimental which is great but like the documentary style of it and just it just seems so solid like everything is it's just all hitting the right things and you're following these people and you start to care about them um but as far as my personal taste I, i'm i'm gonna go with with hoop dreams uh, surprise surprise <laughs> uh and honestly, the DV look, not a fan. Not a fan. The uh, PBS style of it, also not a fan of it at all. But uh, as I was watching it, um, I started to care a lot about the two these two kids and just kind of fell in love with them as I was going through. And um, just having that alone was amazing. And um, just kind of... You're rooting for them, but you're also you're rooting for them to just be okay. Like you don't necessarily need them to be in the NBA, but but you want them to just like like you can you can tell like at a certain point in the movie where like they have figured it out because they have brought passion to something that a lot of their peers aren't. They're not bringing their passion to anything. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of neat seeing these kids kind of grow up um in the way that they did and it it honestly it felt very american uh totally felt very like this is america at this time this is america now um i would say it captured the 90s really well oh like that's the 90s right there like you see yeah even like how they like with the uh they have their t-shirts with the jerseys on over You know, like, I have family members who dress like that. And it was just really cool, like, see, like, getting that lens into the 90s. And um, even as far as how people behaved, you know, and it was just kind of, it's kind of interesting to, to watch. And well, so that that's that's my pick. Well, for, for Jake, you just made me feel like shit. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm back, baby. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a fair answer, though. I think that's yeah, fair. definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, I can, I, yeah, yeah. I can understand why people like yeah, hoop dreams. Yeah, that's the I thing. just personally just it just yeah, no, no I'm, I'm the same. I, honestly, it's it's honestly it's a it's a tough call for me because uh, that hoop dreams like it hit me on a an emotional level while man with the movie camera hit me on like a filmmaking level. Right, you know, right, like, right. It was like I love man with the movie camera because it's like look at all this shit that they do and it's like it, I feel like that movie film non-filmmakers would just like why the fuck would you ever watch that but filmmakers probably just love that movie yeah. while Hoop Dreams is accessible to everybody yeah. you know anyone who has emotions I'm like I'm like you so basically me. you got <laughs> so basically an arrow hit you in the heart and an arrow hit you in the brain and you decided to pull the one out of your heart first 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one. Yeah. Then one hit me in the ass, and uh, I left it there. Oh, that was that was the boot nice <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah. I haven't pulled that one out yet. Oh I'm not excited for it. Uh, <laughs> Boondock Saints never again. <laughs> fuck. It, yeah. That, that is the only move we've watched where I'm like, fuck this. Nah. Fuck this movie. That is the only one. Epis- yes. What was it? Episode. What was our? What was Cinemascope two? Fuck How to Marry a Millionaire. <laughs> fuck that movie. It was dumb. No, Boondocks, dumb. man. Fuck I didn't Boondocks. mind How to Mi- Marry a Millionaire. That was funny. Yeah. I, I You're liked dumb. it. could have been. It could have been better, but it was. I liked it. It was. Yeah. I I, I liked it too. I thought it was fine. That's it's because good. you guys aren't smart enough for the other movies, <laughs> right? Just, well, we gotta watch. You, just, you just don't get it, man. You just don't get it. <laughs> we got we gotta watch uh, Forrest Gump so so Byron no. can get on our level. Oh you know? my God, no! <laughs> we should watch it with Pulp Actually, Fiction. You know what? You know? I I would watch it again because I've seen it. I saw it a long time ago. I've only seen it one time, and then the whole time I was watching it, I was just fuming. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Because I, because I knew I knew because I, I knew that it had stole the Oscar from Pulp Fiction. It's actually legitimately not uh, that good of a movie. Like like it, it's, it's had good it's had movie. its cultural. It's not, it's not saying it's not I'm not saying it's a movie. bad movie. I'm not saying it's not that it's good. Totally of a movie. overhyped. Yeah. Because like it's all this. It's you, you, you oh, know. It's man. like ever since I was a little kid, I remember people. Life is like a box of chocolate. It's like every single thing. It, I, nothing was new to me. It's not this like, weird cultural <laughs> influence for some reason. Right. Uh, but I definitely think, yeah, it's rated a lot higher than it should be because it's oh, come it's on. such an easy, easy, though. It's too easy. That's the thing that yeah, bothers me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Is that it's, it's too, too easy. easy? It's yeah. too easy to like. It was like literally yeah. Oscar bait is it, literally it, it, Forrest Gump. Yeah, no, like, it kind of is. It's too, it's just, it. I don't know. It's that type of story that's just like, you know you're going to get a win with it because you made that story. Like, that's not trying that hard. Yeah, but why is that bad? Try because harder. Because it stole it from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> because it just feels like it undercuts like things that actually try to like say yeah, or well, do. If, if you have a home run story, you tell that story. You know, like don't hold this story because it's too good of a story. That's so dumb. That's like saying like the 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 story of Pocahontas should be retold again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, t- hey, we should retell it with with four uh, four sequels. We should, we should, we sh- yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll add asteroids exactly. in this one. Yeah, yeah, we'll get some unobtainium. Yeah, in it's like I'm also trying to think about it from a competitive <laughs> level too. Like when you're competing with someone, if they take an easy out, then you're all you're gonna. Gr- it's gonna be like really, you took the like, I don't. I, it just doesn't feel right. It just feels it feels cheap. Know, it feels easy. It feels like you like you didn't really want to try, so you took the easy route out. Like, come on, if, man! If, if it was an easy route, people would be making these all the times and get, getting Oscars all the time. They what? are making it all the time, and they are getting Oscars for it all <laughs> okay. the time. I don't know what, what you're talking about. What movies are you talking about? What movies are you referring to? Let's look at like. <laughs> Any of the movies, like I mean, look at the whole list of Oscars, and I'm going to guess that most of them are going to be similar. Not all, obviously. Well, well that's so vague. Like, be more specific, man. I don't know, do man. Mean, I don't watch the Oscars, so I even like know like all the specific Oscar movies. But you know, there's Oscar bait for a reason, right? There are movies that are designed to 
be sort of easy wins because you know it's going right, to poke but, someone. Okay, 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 I got you. Some of them don't, though. Cake with Jennifer Aniston, that shit was Oscar bait. Everyone was like, this is going to be like an Oscar movie, like they're pre- prepping for it. Totally gone. From, from off the, wiped off the face of the earth. Okay, but you know? also, there's also limited space for Oscars, too. So I've, you're going to have to pick of those the quote best one of those right. to sort of represent that but it's still the fact that that's the like you know I feel like I don't know I don't know how to like really I, articulate like this but it's just like it just feels easy it doesn't feel like they put well, them I think as a filmmaker you're not really putting yourself out there by making the story of Forrest Gump it's why, it's it's safe it's safe it's like what do you mean? Why? Like, if why making a film like Mother is going to be more risky, right. more out more, there oh, than okay, Forrest Gump. You, Forrest Gump you. is like, I'm safe. Okay. I don't want to yeah. take any risks. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to like it. And I want to win that award. <laughs> and I want to tuck it in at night. And no, I want it to okay. be very cute and pretty. I see, I, it's like, I get no, what you're man, saying come with. on. So you're, like, you're, you're saying, like... Uh, like the, the the more safer films, the less divisive films. Yeah, you know? like like Mother, like really like all of Darinovsky's uh, movies, which are, in my opinion, a lot more polarizing than a lot of other filmmakers. Um, uh, but no, I guess that that makes sense. I I guess I just it's not bad. I don't, but it I don't discredit. Me. Yeah, I guess it just doesn't bother me. Like when if you have a good story, tell tell the story. You know if it if it's gonna, but see like get people yeah. to ha- be passionate on one side or another as far as whether it's good, great. To me, if it's sitting in the middle and it's really good, then fuck it. Well, like, like to me, it's only tell your story. To me, it's only a good story because it's like it's 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 a story for everyone but me. Like, 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 uh, it's not a good story for me. Like, I, 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 I didn't find it. Are, I didn't. Are you, I di- are you talking about Forrest Gump? Yeah, specifically? Forrest Gump specifically. It just wasn't, oh, it wasn't a story for me. I wasn't interested in the story at all because it felt so safe. Like, does that make sense? Like, uh, it's like the people, the, the filmmakers I look up to, the people who influence me, the people who I aspire to be, the people who I respect are the ones who don't play it safe with what they right. do i mean like even That's indiana jones right it was more it took more risks than like forrest gump you yeah. know what i mean oh yeah so like so, so, did, like, so did so did star right Wars. right and i like that's why i like those movies whereas forrest gump it just seems so like you know like okay i have white like they got they got it lined up yeah like, like i have they, white they bread what goes perfectly. well with white yeah. bread oh some jelly what also goes good with jelly? Oh, like more sugar. Like it just seems like it's like they're building themselves a treat for everyone to right. have. Which I mean, I understand on a business okay, on a business on a business level, it makes complete sense. It's just right. So for me, and on an artistic level, it's like I I appreciate the art behind that film, and it and it, it, it technically it started a lot of cool computer generated stuff you know with him shaking feathers well because well, like he, he was like shaking hands with John F. Kennedy and stuff oh, like that that like, was dope how they you know did like that, it's yeah. really cool yeah. however it, it, it just it doesn't it doesn't influence me it just didn't do right, anything right right that makes sense so it's like uh, you both of you guys because I think you're on the same page 
would prefer to have a film that pushed a not a tech but pushed an artistic aspect of filmmaking to further the uh, the language of film as opposed to taking advantage of what has already been set in place and just doing it right better. so that's why that's why I'd, I'd probably much rather watch a film like hoop dreams because whether I hate it's more risky. whether I hate it or I like it it's more risky like right. I might, I might hate Hoop Dreams actually more than Forrest Gump, but I would actually enjoy the the uh, actually like watching it more. Yeah, because that makes sense. Uh, well, as a filmmaker, yeah, yeah making Hoop sense. Dreams yeah. is risky. Like yeah. you don't no, know if there's a payoff. At the right, end. right. I'm not because I, I don't I'm, watch films for the payoff. I really don't. No, but yeah, but, but I, I mean, as a filmmaker, uh, right. when you're making it, right. when you're making Forrest Gump, you know right. there's something at the end of this. Right. You know that it's not going to just wallow right yeah. like, and maybe there are films that are similar to Forrest Gump that do end up wallowing but they still have some success right right and it's easier right. to have and i'm not saying you shouldn't go for easy success everything everyone deserves their success but like i don't know i just i have more respect for the risk the the right. i think on, honestly i think i i just completely disagree with the fact that Forrest Gump or any movie is is not a risk because I I think they I don't I don't think if people just made safe I feel like most safe movies that come out that are like deemed safe when they're going into production are shit you know and they wind up as shit. Um, I would say that I would put the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe in line with what I my opinion of Forrest Gump in that these are the safe movies right. to do. But at the same time, Marvel, that was not a safe bet. So, like, Iron Man came out, and as soon as they saw success, they were like, all right, we're going to make four, we're going to greenlight four movies and the Avengers. So, they had no idea whether those movies after would be successful, and some of them were a little teetering. So, but then the Avengers killed. Marvel's interesting for me because I agree with Keith, but I also will disagree with him to a, to a, a little bit. So, like, Ant Man. No. Like, Ant Man. No I agree with you, Ant Man. Because, like, the, the Ant Man itself bring anything really new to the superhero genre no no but the first of dr strange but the the first avenger (laughs) but the first avengers did the first the first iron man did second third not so much i would say ant-man is an exception though because ant-man wasn't i mean that's a character where you know is going to be is not going to right captain america is going to be like hell yeah because he's the tough guy yeah yeah. ant-man shrinks down Right. To do his well, power. I'm not talking like, about any themes or anything. I'm just like, just on a technical level, like, like just, uh, just on 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 films that are made specifically for. I mean, they have uh, what's his name, Paul, uh, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it, it, he's going to get people because almost everybody likes a Paul Rudd character. You know, he he's 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 a safe right. actor. So and, and he's he's also he's he's his own like his. Per, he, like he plays the same yeah. person, like in right. each of his. Whereas I, yeah. whereas Iron Man, the first Iron Man, that was a big gamble because Robert Downey Jr. wasn't big at all at that point, right? Because he was still right. known as the 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 Hollywood guy that got all drugged up, and yeah. he was just yeah. coming back. Um, so that yeah. was a big gamble, and so in that movie, it was kind of cool. But then, like you know, Avengers is cool because it was one of the first big films where they put all these characters together. But the second yep. and third Iron Man, not so much. It didn't really bring much to the table. You know, the first Thor, but not so much. Second Thor, not so much. You might say it didn't bring much to the table, but 
after the success of the previous movies, you knew it was making its money. You knew right, it was safe. Right, you right. knew it was a good investment. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Thing, that's what, right? I agree with you See, on that. I, I agree I with you on that I 100%. Think, I don't think you know that after the first Iron Man. I don't think you know that. Because Incredible Hulk, that didn't do that well. You know? And that was with uh, Edward Norton. Yeah. And then you have uh, Thor, which did okay. Did pretty good. Uh, so I... I and Captain America one, which, which I actually just really didn't like at all, <laughs> but uh, it did fine. But like, I don't think you know that they're going to be successful. I mean, I think it's it's just going to be a risk. I think we can look back and say, obviously, this is su- successful. But I don't think you can say that in that moment uh, when you're deciding to greenlight these films. And I think, I think uh, Forrest Gump is a film we can look back and think like okay. that was really successful. But I don't, I don't think we can think that. As we're green Just so you it. know, The Incredible Hulk, budget of 150 made about 263 That's a success. Okay, so, so that's a financial depending, success. Depe- well, that depends on the marketing campaign. To me, if, if the rule of thumb is generally double budget. Okay. Okay. With, yeah, so that could be a failure. So to, it could be. So to me, all of the Marvel films are fairly safe, except for the first Iron Man, the first Avengers... And Captain America: Winter Soldier. Even Hulk by Ang Lee was I, I, disagree, I, I disagree only because uh, they. I know that they greenlit uh, everything up to the first Avengers after Iron Man. They found the success of Iron Man. It, they there is no way that is a safe bet to greenlight five films uh, after one film is successful. I guess. That, I guess that, that is not. You know I, mean, I guess. That's, I guess that's true. But yeah. But like I meant. Uh, Here's what I'm thinking. It just feels safe. It, it's not that it's actually... It just the, feels The content of the film, that's what I mean. The so, content of the film seems safe, the, not so much right, the now, production. Nowadays. The thing part, about yeah, Iron yeah. Man is that... Yeah, that's true nowadays, yeah, looking back. The only... The, well, the main reason I'm going to slightly disagree with Iron Man being a risk, which it, in a lot of ways it was, right? but Batman Begins had come out before that. Hmm. And Batman Begins set up the interest for the billionaire badass. Right, right. It's the smart aleck, billionaire, badass, hot, whatever you want to call yeah, it. because Christian Bale wasn't so much a, a, a... He wasn't this household he wasn't, name. He wasn't mouthy, though, to oh, his no. character. Right. You know? He wasn't mouthy, but he was, right, he was right. a hot shot. Right, right. right. He was, yeah. because Bruce Wayne's supposed to be a hot shot, he's yeah. supposed to be a hero. The... the the billionaire who saves the day type of thing. So there was a setup for Iron Man. Right. Iron Man didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, that just that to me that's not a risk, like at all. Like the fact that those two are similar, that's not like a risk. Like people are spending millions of dollars to make this movie, and they were successful in the box office with it. That's like, what I'm saying. That's that they took a risk and it paid off. And I would say no. Then but- they took a huger risk later. And it paid off, and and we, there is no way we can say that was not a risk. The thing about superhero movies, yeah, though, no, I know what you mean. Studio made superhero. Let's take uh, the Schumacher Batman's. Let's take the the uh, fuck. You know the other director, the the Tim Burton Batman. Tim Burton, yeah, yeah. Those were all generally successful movies, right? Like yeah, they might that, not that be highly mean the rated. First one was risky. Because the first one was risky because it started it. I'm saying that a lot of these superhero movies, unless you go back to really early, have had something to build off of. 
Right, like like, so the, like like the Tim Burton Batman film. The first one was building off of like Christopher Reeves' Superman movies. Right. You know, anytime right. you invest right. Right. millions of dollars into something, it's a risk. Right. Anytime you invest yeah. in something, it's a risk. That's the thing. So there is a risk every time. But superhero stuff, it hasn't taken off, quote unquote, like it has now. But they have generally all been successful, unless right. there's some weird niche, something like Darkman or Spawn, Spawn yeah. or something like that, right? Where where you they're really niche, and those are mostly antiheroes anyway. Yeah. They're not like the full. They would have been bigger if they were made in like the seventies when the antihero yeah, was like right. the popular so, like, hot thing. That makes right. So yes, these big superhero movies were risks in the sense that there's a bunch of money being pumped into it and you have no idea necessarily if it's going to be successful, but there is a whole huge heaping amount of comic lore, comics, TV, whatever, books behind these heroes that they just didn't come out of nowhere. It wasn't some redefining. It wasn't some brand new hero. It wasn't a risk in that sense. So, like, it's still a safe... Even when Iron Man came out, you know that there was a talk that was like, okay, we know to a degree that if we pump a bunch of money into this, we're going to have a return. Because these studio executives have history, they have knowledge, they have a past, they're not dumb, right? They make, they're able to financially make movies and, make, and have success. So I think, again, I'm going to just make the argument that these superhero movies fall in line with the Forrest Gump, where it's like, you know there's going to be a safe... Because it's a straightforward... It's the hero's tale. The hero's journey that's been around for a billion years. Like, it's a safe bet. The hero's journey is generally going to be successful. Even Star Wars hinges on the hero's journey, even though it was... I would say Star Wars was more risky because of the content, but it still hinges on something that was safe. I love myself a superhero movie. <laughs> hero's Journey is going to be safe, dude. Make a Hero's Journey short film, and it's going to be a safer bet than anything else you could make. Because it's there. I, the structure's there for you to just copy. <laughs> I, yeah, I yeah. am not disagreeing with you in that the Marvel mo- movies are in line with Forrest Gump. That I 100% agree with. And are Marvel movies less risky... Well, now nowadays I think Marvel movies are just a super safe bet. You know, nowadays, you know, they still have to re-deliver the genre in a in a in a new way, right? So, like when Doctor Strange comes out, it has to do something different than all the other superhero movies have done before, and they they did it with like their kaleidoscopy style of um, CG that is, was super freaking cool to look at. Um, so they they still have to like heighten it a little bit. But but you're right. They are building off of this already. Like they've already like set the groundwork. They they have the foundation, and you know what? They're they're putting up. Uh, they you know actually they already have the house right now. Like um, Doctor Strange is like the the is the elevator in this house. You know what I mean? Like it's like this additional thing in this like large Marvel Cinematic Universe that is like adding to it. Um, so I, I, I mean, even think about that. it too. The X Men films, the X Men, the like original ones, like what two thousand? Yeah, and those were those were pretty yeah. big hits overall. Like you know, Definitely. they might have gotten reviewed they badly, all but the big superheroes. Yeah, yeah, they might have been reviewed but, badly, but financially, yeah. you can They're claim they, they did great. Yeah, right? they gave. They, and yeah. even nowadays, there that is one of my favorite franchises because they. It seems to me, in my eye, that they are trying different kinds of things so like um 
after they had the reset with the new actors and stuff, they they came out with like this. I think it was Days of Future Past. It was like this really weird like uh, story. It didn't really fit into the main storyline at all. Didn't people really um, like that one though? Maybe it wasn't that one. Or, or Apocalypse uh, yeah, was, that they didn't? I don't know, dude. I've, it was, Apocalypse I think it was my least favorite. I get those confused. Apocalypse is my least It's not favorite. Days of Future Past. I think Future it's, Past uh, was popular. What was the... It wasn't Days of Future Past because that was a Cold War one, but what was the, what was first the one class? where... First Class was super popular. Oh, yeah. First Class was the... First one. Okay. It, it was Days of Future Past is what I'm thinking. And it was like this weirdly like specific like very condensed movie is very small you know it, it wasn't very epic um and it, it was just like it feels like they're trying something new i think that's why and I, it feels yeah. like it feels like they're risking i think that's why i like that one better that's what i'm yeah, saying like it, there's something it, about it's that deviating that's like... from like the brand book you know what i mean but marvel like i feel like marvel will never deviate from the brand book and i i think that is that is a fault for me, for when I go see a Marvel movies, like I feel like they're never going to break away from like that Marvel style. You know what um, I would consider risky in today's day and age? D- what DC is doing—that's risky because that's like trying to fight the big Titan when you don't have the right gear for it, and you're trying to force it to happen. Like, and then they got lucky in the sense that, like, one uh, that was totally just like a an MMO nerd reference no. right there. But no, I guess people will kind of get I'm, it. It's I'm like right with it's like David you. and Goliath. Maybe that's a better one. Like where fucking Marvel is kind of Goliath right now, Goliath. and DC got kind of lucky with Wonder Woman being a hit, but then the you know Superman is yeah. kind of not really. Batman might be like, but right. you know they're kind of fighting the uphill battle. Like they're pumping money into something they know. In their case, they might be like, you know, we're hoping there's a good chance it'll be successful. But man, Marvel is killing it right yeah, now. Like, yeah. right? I I think where where the my disagreement lies is the fact that may, I think all movie all movies are a risk. Totally. I I that's what one hundred percent. Yeah, like no matter what, it, some movies are pushing the envelope a little further. Some movies are extending off of some groundwork that is already laid out. But no matter what, every single movie is a risk and I, I think we all agree with that I just think there's maybe there's different levels of risk totally. that, that we uh, where where our differences this, lie this is where the song by ABBA Take a Chance on Me will start playing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh, yeah Byron will sing it he's, he's, he's a good singer but but yeah I mean I, I guess I, I maybe I need more film knowledge to, to understand why you guys think Forrest Gump is a safe bet, but I just, I, I just don't, I just disagree. <laughs> I maybe, maybe that's we cool. Have to no, I think agree to disagree. Okay, we should disagree okay. though. Two words. Do it, Tom Hanks. <laughs> I don't who checkmate. Is checkmate. Checkmate. It's a safe fucking Hanks. movie. Well, if it has maybe Tom, back in the day, if it has Tom Hanks in it, is going I mean, to be. But that doesn't oh, mean well, it's bad. I don't know. No, His it's not newer bad. movies have not been great, though. Well, but like, they, but okay, critically, so they ha- if, if they, you, they've been praised. You I know, guess, like yeah, Bridge of Spies yeah, I guess and that's true. even right. The Circle. Like the critics have liked those. But he's good. I mean, if if oh, you yeah, were I love, I love Tom Hanks. and you're like and you're like, hey, I can get Tom Hanks in my movie. Oh hell yeah! Uh, why would you? Why, why would, would you say no? no? I know. Like why? Yeah. Why is the Tom, movie or the film? So think of it like, like that's that's how you need to think about it. That's that's exactly what we're talking about. It's a it's a it's a it's an element. Fault. It's an element to mitigate risk. Yeah. 
right? And in Forrest Gump's case, the story and the production and everything around it is an element that helps mitigate the risk. And in this sense, it it's, makes it way less risky because of it, for, for which example, I think is less interesting. If you had made Forrest Gump and it starred Ed Harris, way riskier. Yeah. Way much yeah, more of makes, a riskier film. I, I completely agree. It's sort of you know, the same reason why Nolan it, kind of like, bothers me now, because he's like ter- a safe bet. Like Tar- Tarantino picking John Travolta for that's a his risk. role in Pulp Fiction was stupid risk. That's a risk. Yeah, I, right. I don't, it wasn't even a risk, man. That was like stupid <laughs> risky because the studios are like, hey, man, don't do this. And he's like, no, he can do it. And they were like, uh, that's what I'm saying, right? All right. Which makes you kind but of like, respect Pulp Fiction a little more. Like in that yeah. sense, no. that's why Pulp Fiction no. deserves not even everything that it should have gotten <laughs> from fucking. Oh my gosh! Not even for me. Not even the least bit. Gorest Fump. What? What I would rather get. I don't. I don't care about what the current, who the current person is to do stuff. All I care about is that they deliver the goods that they know how to deliver. And for some fucking reason, Tarantino knew that uh, John Travolta would deliver the goods. You know, and he did, and it was great. Tom Hanks, sure he gets typecast. Sure he he knows uh, John Travolta with his movie baggage, totally a poor choice for Pulp Fiction. Tom Hanks, perfect choice for. But sometimes for the Trump. sometimes the worst but, choices are the best choices, though. That's the genius of it. Oh no, I I completely agree. As long as they know how to deliver the goods, yeah. like if you want to flip something on its head, that's great. But I I, I don't I'm not going to look down on a movie for doing something that was right for the actor regardless of whether it was flipped on its head or not like i as long as it was right for the actor that's 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 what i care about and forrest gump does that yeah no, like on a on a artistic level i'm not faulting them it's just it's it's safe for me it's not it, because it's so safe as a film in general it just doesn't capture my interest as much you know that's kind of what it comes down yeah. to like uh, no so that's fair like I, i'm not i'm not i'm not fair. faulting i'm not faulting the artistic side or any decision made with the film but i'm uh, the only thing that i'm semi questioning or not questioning is or that i'm faulting would be the studio always giving money to those type of films that's the only thing i'm faulting I'm not faulting. No, I'm not that's, faulting. Uh, I think that's fair. Because I'm not faulting. That's totally fair. I'm, like, I'm not faulting the. Robert Zemeckis made that movie because that's the movie he wanted to make. It's not what I would want to make, and it's not really what the type of directors that I would watch would make, right? But. Right. And so I, the only thing that I'm faulting, really, is the fact that studios always take chances not even take chances but they always give money to those type of safer films when they need to be doing more of what like they did with mother <laughs> oh sure no i i i uh i'm 100 percent with you uh with that uh, i i would prefer studios to not act like shit <laughs> if that's uh like I, I would prefer them to to take less safe bets but so I, guys, maybe i'm just in a cynical position where i think we can't do anything about that so let's call lubetsky and let's get some let's film some more shit (laughs) yeah dude where are you at lubetsky get the fuck out come on buddy come on he must have been burnt out or something that's why he must have taken a break like yeah he probably just that's a big break i know that he's been doing a a commercials though oh he did some commercials okay makes sense well and he did that vr project (laughs) with uh uh alejandro gonzalez oh okay makes sense right uh but yeah i i completely agree with you guys i think or with you, Byron. I, I'm not. I'm not sure where you're landing, Keith. But uh, 
But yeah, studios making more, taking more risks, making movies more like Mother. Like I want different stuff out there. I, I don't want more Marvel movies. Like I'm sick of Marvel movies. Um, I'm sick of seeing, like I didn't like the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I still haven't like, seen that just one because, yeah, it just wasn't very great. It just wasn't that great. The first one was amazing, um, but the second one just felt so like it felt like. I was walking into Target, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was buying their product yeah, already, yeah. you know? Like, it just felt like it was very product-forward, like they were trying to sell the toys, you know? Um, but there there was other stuff in there that, that wasn't very product-forward, but it just... It was just disappointing, you know? And there's there's better films out there. Uh, like Logan. So, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, like, which I haven't seen. <gasps> I haven't seen Logan. Still? I still uh, thought you saw that. Like, it's so weird. Like, I just... <sighs> I thought you saw it. I'm, I'm so in shock that you still haven't seen it, dude. Well, I, I I'm not the big superhero guy. That but you, but you, you just said that you liked. <laughs> but you just said that one of your favorite series would have been the X Men movies, and you still haven't seen Logan. Oh, of of the of the big right. like, cinematic universes, exactly. I mean, hundred percent. But um, see, you know, that's of, why of the superhero again, genres. But I still haven't seen every Marvel movie. movie. Yeah, Logan was riskier. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's Deadpool why. That's why I liked it so much. Yeah, yeah. there's something about right. it. It's like Which makes think, me want to see. It. I just want to kind of end on this sort of example. Like I kind of think of Scorsese as this sort of example. I'm not saying his newer films are bad, Pwned. but his <laughs> what? I said I said pwned. I know, but why? I'm so confused. <laughs> because you're calling his new films bad. Oh, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying his yeah, older pwned. films are more. Like his older films are the ones that that are considered the best of all time, right? They, yeah, because I mean, cause they they were they oh, they were yeah. they, they, they were totally new. Exactly. They, they, Talk, yeah. That's his 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 older films were more risky. Yeah. And not saying this is the yeah. only reason they're good, but in general, they were more risky than his newer stuff. Yeah. And that is sort of the reason why we can say we like Goodfellas or or Raging Bull. Or even like Casino, maybe even better than some of the newer stuff. I mean, like if if Martin Scorsese right. did some film about some like weird fucked up kid living in inner city New York who was like thinking about like possibly killing like you know Pence or something yeah. like that, then it would be more gutsy and risky, yeah. and then he might be back to more right. of the territory that he was at for like Taxi Driver. But he did you Silence, know? which right. is like a you know, but, more on the right, biblical, it's like more, religious side of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then look yeah. at all these big filmmakers trying to get in on the superhero stuff i mean scorsese was in talks for a joker movie like yeah yeah you know talk, that's these, a little bit these, more risky these... yeah but but it's but it's Not a safe really. but it's a safe well, it's, yeah. it's risky director wise but it's yeah. it's a safe bet for the studios yeah so yeah. it's it's you know it's just i don't know it, man. It, just it's kind of it's it's the same reason why tarantino's like hey i'm gonna make like nine films and or ten films and then i'm gonna retire yeah you know, because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be known as a director who would do the less risky, right, right, stuff. Which I think I just don't even give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm you just, just like, don't care. That's just you. Can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> like if, you, if if. But see, whatever, that's why it's, you're like a perfect. Like you, like, whatever you need, you're a good like difference to have like if we yeah, all sat yeah, here and no, agreed with each other that's true. Dumb no, circle it, jerk. no it's so like, true it's, it's right. better to have no. the opposite opinions for yeah. stuff you like know? you guys you guys got your waffle and you're jerking off on the waffle you know and i'm like you know what i'm taking this waffle away 
I'm, that's our, I'm more, that's our I'm more, okay, no, no. I take your waffle. No, 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 no. Keith, Keith oh, okay. is more the waffle. I'm more the French toast. <laughs> and you're more like, I want a fucking bagel. <laughs> right. That's kind of a good I don't point. even want breakfast. <laughs> Give me some time You could in. be the pancake, but you're just going to be something different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would be so easy if yeah. that was the pancake. But yeah. Uh, no, but you're, you're a bagel with raisins, too. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. You guys are, yeah, it's a little it, well because you don't know, even joke about no, no, that. It's like, it's not, I'm not calling you fruity, but it's it's like he's a sour you're, guy. Well, you're 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 right. I'm fruity. Well, no, I was left no, out in the sun too. No, long. Yeah. <laughs> no. But the, you, you like films that are more have more heart than what we do. You're just a plain bagel with plain cream cheese. You're a safe <laughs> I, bet. <laughs> I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting. Uh, no, I think I think it makes sense. You know, I, I after uh, you know getting married to, to Tiffany and, and dating Tiffany for as long as I did, uh, I would have never guessed that I was the more emotional type. But I think between the three of us, I think I'm more emotionally connected. <laughs> Then you guys. Right, yeah, right. I think so I think yeah. you are. I think it might be. I think I, I like the cheese. You're a sentimental like bastard. You guys. I I cry a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> After the podcast. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't think you cheered uh, up during your during the wedding, though, during no, the ceremony. Yeah. You stayed strong? Yeah. I stayed strong. I stayed pr- Well, it's because I kept wiggling. Because, yeah, you know, Becca Freeman, you guys know her. Yeah. Yeah, she recorded our wedding, and um, her and her her uh, boy toy uh, Jeremiah boy they recorded toy. it, and I watched it back, and man, I was wiggling for like the whole ceremony. I was like, I kept doing like really, this, like, I didn't even uh, notice. It's like uh, I think maybe people just standing. Me. I think it's self conscious. Standing people in one or people standing in one spot, you know, just kind of yeah. happens. Well, also, you're, like, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. What do you? You look weird if you just statue. Yeah, but you're also like, like be but you're critiquing weird. yourself, you know. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We wanted, I cannot watch myself on film. We wanted I, to uh, yell Jakob the worst. when you guys were leaving. <laughs> oh, I know, badly, yeah. But it, you should have. Uh, I think you would have gotten it and you would have laughed, but everyone else would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? Everyone around it, you would be like in, like bawling. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are they saying? I, I, Keith mentioned like, getting pictures of you with your film, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, with my film. Well, so we're gonna do. A, I have a series I want to do with you, where it's uh, your, your the first picture will be your film bro picture. Then it'll then it'll be the picture I took of you and Tiffany dancing, but where you're lit, where not, whatever you're doing with your face that that like oh yeah I need to fart right uh, now face or something. Why haven't you posted that yet, dude? That, and then, that would kill I haven't on done the photos yet. Medias. But then and then I'll do a clean one of you all married and nice and you know clean. Just a cute one, yeah. yeah. Just to show the progression. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. The trilogy of it'll photos. happen. It'll happen once I I'm once excited. I get a chance to actually look at those photos and mess with them. Um, yeah, dude. Okay, I'm we pumped. are running long, and I got shit to do. I'm actually already late, so we got to end this. I really got a piece. So. <laughs> uh, if you have any questions, topic suggestions, opinions, or if you have any fact corrections, send an email to b2bfilmspodcast at gmail dot com. We're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our Facebook page, join our Facebook group to comment on or discuss this week's episode or past episodes. Uh, all of our episodes can be found on iTunes and at SoundCloud.com slash B2B Films. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a comment on iTunes because it helps move us up the list on iTunes so others can find us. Our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at SkinnyProducing.com. Skinny. <laughs> 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 uh, well, 
welcome, sound like a perfume. Welcome back, Jacob. Oh my god, like I, like, perfume, I like that right? one actually. I really actually need a different that. way to it was, say it every it was time. Different. I had a whole month to think. It was about different. That. that was good. I liked it. <laughs> um, Next week, we'll be doing a technical discussion again covering Soviet montage theory with the films Battleship Potemkin and Strike, um, the theoretical basis for editing that is basically used in like 99% of all films um, and what we do nowadays for editing. So make sure you watch those films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>